recorded live. Hello again, once again, everybody. This is Pastor Visser from Atlanta, Georgia. Once again with Obadiah 118, bringing you another Wednesday night Bible studies into the gifts of the Spirit. Are you there, brother? I am, brother Jeremy, and get our listeners. Excellent. A lot of stuff has happened this week in Christian identity, that's for sure. It certainly has. I understand that um, you went on Pastor Eli James' show on the RBN network. Do you have a recording of that? Because, as you know, you can't access, access any of their archives unless you're a paying member. No, on, uh, on Republic Radio? Yeah. No, not me. <laughs> but as I hear it, I've, I've, I, uh, according oh. to one of Marty's sock puppets, you now are the new leader of Christian Identity, officially. Well, yeah. Yes, so so that wasn't tr- so so Marty told a fib about you being on Eli James show. Oh yes, what else is new? I, if I had a recording he, of that, believe me, it would be up on the website. Oh right, because he re- serves me right for believing the idiot because he reckons you were on his show last weekend, I think it was, and um, you, you you were you know calling him all sorts of names and what have you, and uh, oh well, there you go. So you weren't on there. It must have been somebody doing an impersonation of you, perhaps. But, Exactly. Perhaps it was that Jeremy underscore Visser sock puppet that, you know, particular rabbi is so fond of using. Yeah, well, that's the closest thing Marty's ever going to get to, to being a white guy, so, so there you have it. Now, Jeremy, I was going to ask you a question uh, about the Dirty South. You often refer to, when, whenever you open the show, you often refer to the South as the Dirty South. You didn't use the expression today, but normally you do. Is, is the Dirty South a common expression for the South in America, or that's just your pet expression? What's the origins of the, the Dirty South? Well, the thing about the Dirty South is, is people who are in the South consider the Dirty South the, to be the Dirty South. People who are Northerners or people on the West Coast, they, don't, they just consider it the Old South or the South. But most of us down here consider it the Dirty South because a lot of people can come up missing. In fact, I live right here in Coweta County, and there was, uh, in fact, there's a movie about mur- called Murder in Coweta County, and that's, that centers around, it was actually had uh, Johnny, uh, Johnny Cash and Andy Griffith in it. It was actually a pretty good movie, but nonetheless, that's why we call it the Dirty South, because there's so much dirty stuff going on down here. Plus, it's also dirty all the time, no matter where you go anyway. It's always muddy. All right, okay. So, so it's muddy literally, or muddy as in, you know, lots of non-whites, or is it both? <laughs> both, both, yeah. You can't walk anywhere, at least in the state of Georgia, without getting your white shoes turned red from the Georgia red clay. And you really can't go anywhere in the dirty south, quote-unquote, anymore without seeing one or two people coal burning out there, you know? All right. Well, it's pretty much the same here in Victoria. I mean, it's muddy now in the sense of um, there are just non-whites everywhere. And I'm sure you've heard the, um, all of the controversy surrounding the Muslim riots in um, New South Wales last weekend. Oh, indeed, yeah. Yeah, they were protesting that stupid movie that someone uploaded on, on, onto the internet. It was apparently this Egyptian Coptic Christian who, who uploaded this video that uh, depicted the Prophet Muhammad in a very unfavourable light. And of course, you know, when these things happen, Muslims freak out and start attacking people. They attacked a white policeman over here in uh, New South Wales. Or, I'm not in New South Wales, I'm in Victoria, but here in Australia. And uh, I don't know if you've seen any of the footage of it, but, you know, lots of bloodied faces, bloodied white faces as a result of all this and broken bones. Oh, sure. Uh, And and what what always gets me about this, Jeremy, is that the next day, the day after these things go down, you always get this slew of Muslim apologists 
coming onto the media and saying how wonderful Muslims really are and this is just a small fanatical minority. Yet no matter where you look in the Western world, wherever Muslims are, you know, whether, whether it be Britain, France or wherever, you, you see similar acts of violence. I mean, you know, as you and I are always saying, by their fruits shall you know them. I mean, I don't believe in extreme Muslims or moderate, moderate Muslims and immoderate Muslims. I just believe in Muslims. I believe all of them are, are bad for us. I mean, it's the curses, as we often say, it's the curses of Deuteronomy 28, you know, coming into effect into our societies all over again. And again, and again, and again. Indeed, and actually when I graduated high school in Los Angeles, California, one of the biggest problems I had was the fact that almost every one of these once-upon-a-time white-owned businesses, whether it was AM, PM, Mini Market, 7-Eleven, or even the banks, were being inundated with Muslims, with towel heads, or dot heads, as we'd call them. And so that was part of the reason why I chose to move to the South. But lo and behold, now, 20 years later, here in the South, it doesn't matter what grocery store you go to, what convenience store especially, they're always owned by Muslims. And what they'll usually do is they'll run them for seven years tax-exempt, thanks to our government, and then just transfer it over to one of their brothers or their children or something so they're never taxed. Yes, they really have that sense of, non-whites really have that sense of racial solidarity. They always look out for, for, for each other, whereas we, God has put this strong individualistic streak in us whites, and we tend to go it alone until things re get really bad. And, uh, of course, when, when you know, the fertiliser hits the uh, ventilator, as I like to say, you know, um, we're going to see whites having to, that they'll just have to become unified as far as you know their race is concerned they're going to have to look out for each other and, and, and unite with, with one another uh, otherwise they're going to perish but um there's an interesting addendum uh to this right situation in sydney they were going to hold another rally here in um melbourne this sunday however a group of white patriots i'm assuming they're white said that um you know let's get together and go to this rally and you know give them what for so you know uh, they were threatening, in other words, to create another kind of um, Cronulla-type riot. Sure. So um, the, the Muslims here have since cancelled the rally. I've heard that this morning. That's um, on the news at the moment. So um, it just goes to show if whites, were to stand, if whites only stood up for themselves and these sorts of things wouldn't, wouldn't occur. Yeah, that's true. In fact, that's something I've complained about quite a bit in the past, especially in the South. You see the racial solidarity amongst the Negroes, especially, to where if one of their own, or they feel one of their own even, has been done wrong, well, they'll rally, they'll get all their cousins, their uncles, their third uncles together, and they'll show up on your doorstep. And usually when something like that happens, all the white people will scatter, you know. And like you had mentioned, I've noticed that usually the, the Anglo-Saxons or the Israelites in general usually don't do anything until it does hit the proverbial fan and it hits them at home when it's something to do with their own child or their own wife getting raped that's when they usually want to step forward and defend themselves yes well we're kind of like yahweh in that way except in a bad way we're slow to anger when we there are times when we should be quick to anger but i've um in the show notes of our uh, the thread devoted to our show on my forum that's the christian identity net, in the ob and visa wednesday 7 p.m thread I've posted a link to Australia Calling. Now, that's a, a, an Aussie show hosted by a guy called Derek McThomas. He's a national socialist. It's, an, it's not a pro-Christian show by any stretch of the imagination. But he, he's given some excellent commentary on the, the recent Muslim rights and, and uh, just the repercussions in society and just how um, non-whites are destroying um, Australian society in general. So just, you know, the impact that they're having, you know, as far as, you know, the... the 
exponential increase in violent crime, shootings, um, white, uh, um, you know, the rape of young white girls. I mean, we're seeing that all the time here in uh, in Australia, you know, especially from Lebanese Muslims. So if people people go to the the, the thread, the last post, they all have um, all that information on it, or just a link to to Australia Calling. They can download it. And also, there's a a link to an excellent article written by a guy called Brenton Sanderson. It's called The War on White Australia. He's posted that on the um, in the Occidental Observer website. There's a link to that also in the show notes. And that's to do with um, the, the dismantling of the white Australia policy. We used to have a, a white-only policy here in Australia, which was law, but that was dismantled in the late 60s and then completely obliterated in the early 70s by the Whitlam government. And, um, you know, guess who was behind the dismantling of the white Australia policy? Jews, of course. So, you know, who else? Exactly. So um, that, exactly. That, that covers all of that. But, I mean, you know, wherever you... No matter where you put a Jew in whatever white nation, that they'll they'll seek to change the immigration policies. They'll make the immigration policies non-white friendly. Yeah, indeed, and also through their media, they always slay the you know they'll pitch their argument. I've noticed as well with what you're talking about all the Muslims. They're always portraying the Muslims as being so oppressed because supposedly some white boy shows up with some bacon or something. You know, puts bacon on. That's what they usually say. It's like here in the states. I mean, they have these. Huge synagogue burnings, you know, and it'll be all on the media, and they'll talk about how these white supremacists are going and oppressing poor Jews, and then usually it's found out, probably about 75% of the time, it's the Jews themselves lighting it on fire to garner sympathy. Oh, yes. How, how many times have you read a news report where the vandalization of a, a particular synagogue or something was caused by a Jew? You know, they spray-painted, you know, go home Jews or, you know, Jews stink or, you know, uh, Nazis hate Jews or whatever they, they spray on it. Um, and, and it always ends up to be a Jew. Yeah, indeed. And speaking of Jews, I noticed that Alex Linder, of all people, VNNF, has come out and said pretty much loosely, I'm paraphrasing now, but that he's Jesus Christ, or at least Jesus Christ in VNN. Yes, I posted that on my forum, actually, but I deleted that bit where he um, blasphemes. Um, I, I, I believe in censorship, so I have no problem with deleting that. Exactly. But, um, but uh, yeah, uh, I'm sure it, he wrote what he said partially in jest, but you can see that there's an element of truth to it, too, that he really you know, feels that about himself. I mean, he's a total nut. I mean, he's been confined to barracks. You know, confined to his house for the past year because of some in inflammation of the bowels or something he, he has. It's a chron chronic illness he's got. But uh, I, I think he's just, you know, driven himself mad over the years. And also things are falling apart for him now in VNN. You know, a lot of people are deserting. He's, and if they don't desert, he's banning them anyway. Yeah, that's what I've noticed. It seems like almost all of his good posters have been Jew-lagged because he used to, at least back in 2005, had some really good writers and most of the writers were you know seemingly wanting to get along with even christian identity groups but ever since alex linder has made his no ci policy it's really not that surprising that he's come out making statements like that because pride does go before a fall you know well things i noticed things changed they went downhill after the death of yankee jim and i'm you know yankee jim committed suicide for those people who don't know committed suicide after murdering his wife had been unfaithful to him so I'm certainly not condoning anything he did there. But, but Yankee was kind of a, a, a bridge builder in, in, in the white nationalist scene. He was a very sort of, you know, likeable fellow, you know, sort of like, very avuncular I found him to be, you know, the kind of fellow you just couldn't help but like. And he was Christian identity. 
And uh, so, so I think Alex Linder tolerated a lot of, you know, with, with teeth firmly gritted, mind you, tolerated a lot of Christian identity stuff on his forum simply because of Yankee Jim. Yeah. Yeah, indeed. And that's the thing. I mean, I think as we've pointed out before, too, if you believe you've evolved from the Negroes like a lot of the creators do, and if you believe that you can do it without God, in a lot of ways, I think that Alex Linder is pretty much what you get. You know what I mean? Some guy living in his basement who's never known goodness, who's never been blessed by God in any way, shape, or form, but thinks he's something, you know. And if you believe that we're, we've evolved, white people have evolved from blacks, which is completely insane, I mean, there, there is always the danger that we could devolve back into blacks. Yeah, yeah, that's a real good point. Real good point. You know, uh, i got to say, it seemingly it looks like I uh, pissed off Rabbi Samuelson quite a bit, too, on the News Guy show, because uh, unlike normal, he's went on a a slander campaign more than I've ever seen before against you and I. And I think it's quite refreshing. It's like Goebbels said, if you haven't pissed off a Jew today, you haven't really done your job. So the fact that he's peed off and he's, he's uh, forging new emails and so forth, should I say, I'd say that's pretty much victory. Well, he wrote a, a lengthy article today under the pseudonym of R.D. Bradshaw, which is Marty, in case anyone wants to know, um, saying, you know, how... I <laughs> I'm, I'm the lead, I should be the leader of Christian identity and how, you know, everything really, it's all my fault, all of the, you know, problems occurring in Christian identity at the moment. So I, I don't know how that works because I thought Marty was the leader of Christian identity. I thought he was the paper CI. That means that, you know, um, we're going to have to hold a vote. People have got a choice. You know, they can either vote for Pope, Pope, Pope Marty the Third or Pope Obi the First. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Yeah, I did catch that article. And, in fact, I could go... <clears throat> on and on about it, but the idea behind that, in my opinion, is the fact that he wants you to. The way that argument is framed in that entire thing is taken from a five-year-old email, and the irony behind that is like, I don't even have to get into Darren Howard, because this is a man who came out with Jonathan Williams, and I essentially rebuked Christian identity and the Aryan nations. But lo and behold, five years later, here's Marty, when he was locked up during this time, attempting to reconstruct something under his pseudonym, and it just didn't work. In fact, it's pretty miserable. I'm glad he did write that, though, however, because the audio exists. There it is out there. Here's, here, here's the rabbis, once again, quoting the Judeo-Christians to condemn Christian identity. Yeah, I got the impression that the reason he came up with that, those idiotic posts about <laughs> being the new leader of CI is that um, you know, he wants me to, to try to become the, CI, the new leader of CI. Not that we have any leader. We only have Jesus Christ as a leader or should have. But, but um, you know, he wants it to, you know, to go to my head so I'll start sort of making a nuisance of my start, myself. I'll start, you know, taking control of things and becoming really obnoxious and that. But it's not going to work, Marty, because, you know, prior to my coming to, to Christian identity, Yahweh beat all of the uh, e ego, egotism out of me. I mean, I used to be a very egotistical fellow. Now I see myself, as I said before, so I before I don't see myself as a pastor, never will, don't see myself as a theologian, never will, do not see myself as a leader ever. I'm just a servant of Yahweh and whatever he wants me to do, I will do. And if, you know, Jesus Christ would have to appear to me in the flesh and, you know, tell me, you know, to be the, the new leader of CI in order for me to do it. So, um, you know, R.D. Bradshaw, I'm sorry, pal, but you're, you're barking up the wrong tree there, son.
<laughs> exactly. And what he's expecting me to do is come out and start talking about Daniel Johns and so forth, which is one of his main things that he's gone around saying, oh, well, Pastor Visser told me all of these lies, which are total lies, and that's exactly way, the way the argument is framed. Darren Howard doesn't have a newborn child. He had a child five years ago. That shows you what somebody can do if they take an email off of WikiLeaks.com and attempt to frame deceit. I think it's beautiful because the more you know, this guy keeps forging emails and attempting to discredit you and I, the more it pretty much proves that we are a force to be reckoned with. What are they worried about? If they really believe in Jesus Christ, and Jesus Christ says a stranger won't hear his voice and follow. They don't have to worry about mamsers, but we don't have to tell them that. Let them just keep leading the blind. Well, as I often say, Jeremy, Satan is the accuser of the brethren, but he outsources a lot of his work to Marty. And Marty's whole... His whole purpose seems to be just to turn, turn all of us to, against each other in order to destroy Christian identity because Christian identity doesn't want anything to do with him. Neither does white nationalism, you know, for, largely. Um, so the thing to do, folks, is just not to fight one another. You know, somebody's calling your names on the internet, you know, so a fellow Christian identist, just don't buy into it. Now, I, I, I've bought into it myself, you know, so I'm, I'm not here to present myself as any great sort of spiritual example or anything, you know, I'm preaching to Obi here just as much as I'm preaching to anyone else, more so. But, you know, it, well, it was like recently, Jeremy, I got into an argument with a guy on my um, forum called um, Calvinist83, and as a Calvinist, he believes we don't have any free will, and I disagree with that strongly, because I mean, you know, what's the story of Job if you don't have any free will? I mean, there's no point to the story of Job. Yeah. And as the prophet Elijah said, how long holds ye between two opinions? In other words, you had a choice between which opinions you halted between. You know, if you don't have any free will, why even ask the question? But, but anyway, he, he, he kept posting these things about, you know, how we have no free will around, the, around my forum. And I, I ignored them for a while, but he just kept posting them and posting them. It really got on my nerves after a while, so I started to debate him about it. You know, and I, I did it in a friendly way. I didn't call him any names, but it got to the point where it was, you know, the next post I made and the next post he's made was going to be a full-blown argument. And I just said to him, I just made a post. I said, look, this is get, heading into argument territory. I'm not going to fight with you over this. Whatever you believe, that's, that's fine with me. And it is fine with me. I mean, if you believe in free will, not free will. As long as you, you know, realise that you have to obey Yahweh's word to the best of your ability and preach it faithfully, as faithfully as you possibly can, you know, to the best of your understanding and, you know, seeking the Lord through the Spirit and what have you, then that's fine by me. I'm not going to get into an argument with you. So that's why I keep saying it again and again and again that, you know, I'm not going to fight with people over differences in, in doctrine, you know, what, what I regard as minor differences in doctrine. Indeed, it's exactly like I was saying before. A lot of these guys love showing their faithlessness, you know, on their sleeve, and part of that is summed up in the fact that Christ taught, blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall inherit the earth. I mean, point in case, they inherit the kingdom. And, a lot, and I agree with you, because these rabbis and a few of these renegades who want to call themselves Christian identity, but ironically have no ties to it, all seemingly do the same exact thing. They'll, they'll play both sides of the fence for a little while, then they'll step back and throw a monkey wrench in it and see who they can get to fight. And usually it's over some minor doctrine like that, you know. Now, Jeremy, I have just one more announcement to make. Um, the CI Messenger podcast is back in business. Um, that's after a hiatus of about six or more months. In fact, I think the last time they did a podcast would have been either late last year or early this year. It's a, it's a podcast, Christian Identity podcast, of course, hosted by um, Paul Mollett, who, um, who's affiliated with Aryan Nations, I believe. Is that correct, Jeremy? Yeah, 
yeah, definitely. Paul Mullet, yeah, and the, and the CI Messenger is definitely Aryan Nations. Oh, right, okay. Well, well, I knew he had some ties with them, but I didn't know if it was official or not, because I know that uh, he and Pastor Morris Gillette had a falling out for a while, but then they sort of, you know, mended their rifts, and uh, they're sort of, you know, they're friends now, so I didn't know whether it was official or not, but it's official, you say. Yes, definitely. As far as I know, it is, you know. Oh. And as far as the spirit's concerned, I've had nothing but good dealings with Paul Mullet. I have actually been on the CI Messenger broadcast, and uh, we did a sermon called Cain and Abel, The True Story, and believe it or not, that's actually pretty high ranking up on youtube so all oh, right yes i seem to recall that uh, anyway the, the podcast used to be hosted on talk show talk show i should say but now it's hosted on blog talk radio and you'll find a link to it in the show notes uh, in the thread on my forum that's um Obi and vista wednesday 7 p.m you'll find that in the general discussion section of the the christian identity net. i need to get a shorter title for my forum jeremy i'm <laughs> wearing out my tonsils having to rattle through all this but but um, anyway, if you go to if you go to that act, their homepage, it's very, I found it very difficult to find the. In fact, I couldn't find any of the any of the podcasts on the homepage. In fact, I, I think he's only posted one. It only goes for for eighteen minutes. So maybe he doesn't want it sort of um, featured so prominently, or maybe it's a problem with my Chrome. I've just switched, made the switch from Firefox to Chrome. Maybe Chrome doesn't show it properly. But you, you can't. Re- it's very difficult to find the the initial podcast. Uh, he's made there. That it's as I said, it's only 18 minutes long. It's just to reintroduce the show. But but I'm sure that once he, they do some more shows, he's going to do it weekly. Then they'll they'll start showing up. But um, anyway, you can check out the link there on my forum. Yeah, indeed, and I'm sure that both you and I will be promoting it on our our sites as well because it is good to be one as we've already covered i mean in first corinthians that's pretty much one of the gifts of the spirit is is recognizing that each one of us has our own strengths and weaknesses but that we do serve the same god you know and that god is one and the great thing about being led by the spirit is that you're no longer under the law it says in galatians 5:18 but if you if you be led of the spirit you are not under the law that doesn't mean that the law no longer applies but you're no no longer under under its penalty Sure, sure, indeed. And that's the thing I think a lot of people miss out on, is that the law in general and as a whole was given to Israel and the Israel people alone. And a lot of people fail when they try to attribute God's law, or especially his penalties, to non-whites or non-Israelites. For example, you'll hear Rabbi Samuelson go around saying, oh, so-and-so is a murderer, murderer, murderer. You know, whether that's true or not, it's up to debate, but the point in case is the fact that the law was only given to Israel. So, I mean, it's a fine line is what I'm saying. I'm not justifying murder, but a lot of these guys will go out there and they'll attribute the scripture, they'll cast their pearls before swine and want to more or less bring them up to the same exact level, which is what I saw today with R.D. Bradshaw trying to drudge up somebody who came out and denounced Christian identity as a quote-unquote redneck cult that should be shunned. Go ahead. I hope these guys do keep quoting these these uh, ones that fell, unfortunately. And frankly, you know what else is kind of interesting is where have these guys been for five years? I mean, we're talking 2008. Where's <laughs> you know when people start grasping for straws and and drudging that far back, it's like we pretty much already won the debate. Yes, I, I used to really enjoy those shows you used to do with the, those guys. Um, what was his name? Jonathan Williams was one of them. 
Yeah, Jonathan Williams, Laszlo, uh, Laszlo Peterson was in there, and Darren Howard was there. And that's what I think is funny about the entire thing. It's like when somebody comes out and muddies a situation that I lived like the Feast of Tabernacles up that bad. I mean, I used to sit here and think R.D. Bradshaw was actually a real person. At all levels, I tried to email him and do all sorts of things, call him, so forth. Nothing ever became of it. But after reading what I read today, I know beyond a shadow of a doubt that this R.D. Bradshaw is Martin Lundsay. There's no way. <laughs> There's just no way in my mind that somebody could mess it up. Facts that that significant mess them up that way, unless they're intentionally trying to provoke somebody to go out and speak about something they're not supposed to. Well, R.D. Bradshaw used to be a member of my forum until I you know, kicked him out uh, after realizing it was Marty, and he, told, he, he kept P, PMing me, sending these um, personal messages. And one of the things he wanted to do, he, was really, he, he claims he's really concerned about all of, the, <laughs> all of the radiation blowing over from Fukushima oh, wow. in, in, into the United States. And he said he wanted to move to Australia, so he wanted to know all about where I lived. You know, oh, it was just his, you know, slimy, sneaky way of data mining. But I, I, I picked up on it fairly quickly, and I just, you know, kicked the bum out, re- realizing it was Marty. And you know, folks, never underestimate the depths of Martin Lindstedt's insanity and uh, deceit. Yeah, indeed, that's exactly what happened to me when I was attempting to contact him. It was, oh, I live in New York. Oh, I'm on dial-up. I'm on dial-up. My phone's always busy. Uh, give me your number. I'll call you. So I gave him the ministry ne- number. He never called back, of course, which is what I'm saying. If someone's going to go around the Internet like this particular person, who is Martin Lindsay, and publish these untruths, then they need to at least give a person a right to reply, which is what we saw on NewsGuy. These guys want to do all the talking, and if they're on dial-up somewhere up in Jew York, well, they certainly have enough time on dial-up to write 30-page articles blowing hot air about everything but Scripture. Well, well, the, Bible's, the Bible says, you know, Yahweh's given a spiritual discernment, and by their fruit shall you know them. The Scripture says, scripture says that uh, we, have, we have been given the spirit of a sound mind. Now, Martin Linstead has anything but the spirit of a sound mind. So that ought to show people that, you know, he's not of Yahweh. He's not a child of God. Yeah. Indeed, and that's why this series is so important because, I mean, even though we've been going through it a little slower than, you know, we probably should have, but then again, you know, it's all about the spirits leading, and that's exactly what, you know, we have been covering is that by one spirit we're all baptized into one body. Just by default understanding that when we see somebody outside that body or working against that body, it really is common sense and scriptural to mark them as not being a part of the body of Christ. It's simple. Well, the Bible says in Philippians chapter 3, verse 3, For we are the circumcision which worship God in the Spirit and rejoice in Christ Jesus and have no confidence in the flesh. That's the beauty of walking in the Spirit is that, you know, um, you are no longer under the, you know, the, if I can use this, expression petty dictates of the law. Because, you know, if, you know the Bible says that, you know, if you're going to... Uh, follow the law through the flesh then you're going to have to follow every jot and tittle of it and it's impossible you can't do it because i mean just for example the bible says you know thou shall not bear bear false witness how many times has someone said to you how are you going jeremy and you said good when in fact you weren't good at all you're having a really rotten day but you said said good i mean i've said that you know many many a time you know somebody's asked me how are you going Obi? i said fine thanks when i was having a really rotten day now technically speaking that's a lie under the law you know i'm, I'm in serious trouble I mean, if we're going to follow the law, every jot and tittle of it, you know, we can't do it because we're not perfect. And the only way we can be perfect is through the Spirit, where we look at the Spirit of the law, the intent, 
rather than the, the letter of it. The Bible says the letter of the law killeth, but the spirit giveth life. That's why Jeremy and I are going to keep pressing this point about how important it is not, for, not, not just for us to be Israelites of the flesh, which is absolutely essential, but we must be Israelites of the spirit as well. Indeed. And that's how we know one another as well. As these guys out here, they seemingly, just like the churches or the Judeo-Christians, fail in Scripture one way or another. And there but by the grace of God go I. I'm not saying any man has all truth. But it's usually pretty transparent. And what usually happens is, I believe is man, just like the Judeo-Christian, when they've been told so much, oh, well, the Jews are God's chosen, suddenly they're reading the scripture looking for that, and even though it doesn't exist, they believe they can see that in scripture, that the Jews are God's chosen. Also, it happens within Christian identity, where these guys say, oh, I'm Israelite, that's good enough, that's all I've got to do, and then all of a sudden, nothing else seems to matter, when the whole of scripture from Genesis to Revelation is really a story about obedience without even fully understanding why God commands us to do certain things. Well, as, as we've gone over in the scriptures from Romans 8, if you're not led with the Spirit, you're not, you know, what the Bible says in Romans 8 verse 9. Now, if any man have not the Spirit of Christ, he is none of his. Now, keep in mind again that the Apostle Paul was speaking to Israelites here. You know, these were people who were Israelites of the flesh, the holy race. But he was telling them, if you don't have the Spirit of Christ, you, you are not a child of God. You know, it's not enough just to be an, an Israelite. It is just not enough. And the Bible says in John 16:13, But when he, the spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into all truth, for he shall not speak of himself, but whatsoever he shall hear, that shall he speak, and he will show you things to come. So why it's so important to be led of the spirit, because he will lead you into all truth. And if there's anything we need in this society today, it's truth. Yeah, indeed. I mean, we do live in a world of lies. And, you know, I think a perfect example of, of what we're talking about is I, I've even heard Pete Peters teach this, but several other Christian identity preachers, you know, they go to Second Peter, they go to chapter 2. And it says, but there were false prophets also among the people, even as there shall be pro false prophets among you. And so the context of the second chapter of Second Peter is about white Israelite false prophets. But I don't know how many times I've heard people take that because they're looking and say, see, there it is, there's a beast having eyes full of adultery as they sub with you. But the context of that is white Israelites, and more specifically, it's about false teachers who want to sit there and say one thing and do the exact opposite. So it is important for us to pray to that spirit for the leading of truth because it and it alone is the only way we can do it. And in fact, I think I've covered before as well that scripturally it seems that wisdom in God's word is one of the few gifts that God will actually give man freely if he asks. Because we can't come and ask for a new house or a new Mercedes-Benz, but if we ask God to make his will known to us through his word, the word says he will. Yes, that's uh, very true indeed. And wisdom is something we really need. It's something we, we need on a daily basis because, you know, so, so, so many of the mistakes we make, make in this life are, are based on bad decisions because we, we just didn't have a proper understanding of whatever sort of venture we were going to go into or whatever situation we were going to be in. You know, God, that's why it's so important to be led of the Spirit because the, the Spirit will lead you out of a bad situation. And that brings us to the point of how do you know you're being led of the Spirit? Now, in that, in, in that lost half of our uh, the podcast where that, um, you know, the archive went, went missing, we had to get a, a recording of from somebody who... Um, who, 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 who made a recording for us because um, TalkShoe mucked up on uploading the archive. 
but in that miss, missing half of that podcast, um, I, I discussed about how to know you're being led of the Spirit. And there, there's a couple of interesting scriptures that kind of talk about this. It says, for example, in Acts 15.22, Then it pleased the apostles and elders with the whole church to send chosen men of their own company to Antioch with etc., etc., etc. I won't read the whole thing there. But that expression, then it pleased the apostles and elders, also, also translates as it seemed good to the apostles and elders. And it says in Acts 15, 28, for it seemed good to the Holy Spirit and to us to lay upon you no greater burden than these necessary things. There are times in our lives where we're not sure about something, but then we get a, a, about whether to do something or not, but then we get this good feeling, this, inner, this intuition, if you will, that, that we should do it. Well, well if, we're, if we're in the faith, if we're an Israelite and we're looking to... To, to Yahweh to lead us, then that is the prompting of the Holy Spirit. You, you know, I mean, there are times in our lives when we do things and, you know, we, we know that we shouldn't have, shouldn't have done them. We know in our spirit, we just have that pricking of the conscience that um, we shouldn't have done what we did. And sometimes it works in the opposite sense, that we have a pricking of the conscience that we should have done something that we didn't do. Um, so it's very important to be led of the Spirit and to understand that the important point that God ought more often than not, speaks to us in a, that still, small voice. He's not in the, the great crashing sound. He's not in the, you know, the earthquake, but he's in that still, small voice, that little prompt, gentle prompting within us. I mean, I, I, had, uh, I said this in the missing portion of that um, podcast, Jeremy, about how I, I used to go to a Pentecostal church. And for a good year, I reckon, before I left that church, I knew that the Yahweh wanted me out of that church. That was a church that you know, believed in race mixing and all sorts of you know, erroneous things and um but but i resisted i resisted the call of the spirit to leave the church because i had so many friends in the church i didn't want to sort of you know um you know leave them you know i i knew that once i left that circle of friends i'd have to lead i'd have to make a, a clean cut of it i'd have to just l leave them completely because if i still sort of maintained my friendship with them um i'd i'd be tempted to go back if it ever anything went wrong with me in Christian identity. If ever I had a falling out with someone, I might think to myself, oh, what's well, not working here in Christian identity. People don't like me. You know, I'll go back to, um, you know, Pentecostalism. And for a good year, I just ignored the prompting of the Spirit until Yahweh was sick of me. And, and through circumstance, he made circumstances so, so bad that I almost wanted to, you know, almost, I was almost tempted to off myself at one stage. I mean, things got so bad for me emotionally that I just had to leave. And there is an important lesson there, folks, and the lesson is hearken to the voice of the Lord within you. Because if you don't, if you keep ignoring it, then sooner or later Yahweh's going to light, light a fire under you through circumstances and you're going to wish to Yahweh that you listen to his voice. Yeah, exactly. That's what I was going to point out as well, is when that fire is lit, nine times out of ten, it's not the way man really wants it, you know, to be. And so it is important that we listen. And that's exactly exactly what I was trying to mention about Darren Howard, you know, is after the whole Yukoi split and Jonathan Williams pretty much retired four or five years ago, Darren went out for a while and he started running a little web page. It hasn't been updated in about four and a half years, but you know, after rebuking Christian identity, he was literally shocked that he had no listeners and the spirit pretty much convicted him to quit. And so he walked away from it all. And that's how I know that when people are out there saying, oh, this guy's an active preacher and has a church. It's like, come on. You know what I mean? This is a man who listened to the spirit and only to be turned around and slandered again by the slanderers. 
in an attempt to attack us. So what you're saying is, is extremely important as well as the leading of the Holy Spirit, because without that leading, I don't think anybody would really leave Judeo-Christianity, because it is like you had mentioned. It's kind of a social club. It's the church where Grandma went, you know? Well, the great thing about, the great thing about being led by the Spirit is that there, the Bible cannot cover literally every situation that's going to crop up in your life. I mean, for example, like, let's say that you were thinking about... Um, moving into state to, to start another job, but you weren't sure whether it was Yahweh's will or not. Now, the Bible doesn't cover that particular instance, so you're going to have to seek Yahweh about that and, and get the prompting of the Spirit to find out whether it's something that Yahweh actually wants you to do. Yeah, that's true, and it is usually retrospect that we can see it clearly, but, and that's where the leading of the Spirit comes in, because just like I had mentioned before about Abraham and, and Jacob and even Moses, when God talked to them and moved within their life and told them to do something, almost every one of these earthly, fleshly examples of man didn't understand at the time, but what they did do was obey the Spirit's leading and the Spirit telling them what to do. And so they could see in retrospect that building the ark, you know, saved them and their family, or they could see that leaving Sodom spared them. But at the time when the Spirit spoke, they couldn't really understand it. And that's why I think that part appears in Scripture where it says, Today, if you hear his voice, harden not your heart. Well, well the problem with this is that we don't exercise our spiritual muscles very often. We don't pray nearly enough. We don't um, read Yahweh's word nearly enough. And we don't pray to Yahweh for guidance nearly enough. So we stay kind of on the periphery of um, walking in the spirit, you know. And it's something we, we often only do when situations, uh, circumstances have become so bad for us that we just have to seek Yahweh, you know, with a, you know, with, with, with a whole heart and, and just, you know, dive into prayer, dive into the word and really just focus on the things of Yahweh. And it's when we do that, that, that we become more sensitive to the voice of the spirit. And that's what this is all about. We have to become sensitive to the spirit and, and, and recognize its voice because, as, as I said in the past show, you know, um, things are going to get so bad that, you know, in order for us to to survive and to keep on living, you know, to, to look after our families and our loved ones, we're going to have to be led by the Spirit on a daily basis. Yeah, indeed. And, and, and on the tail end of that verse as well, you know, where it talks about Moses uh, and Pharaoh, you think about Pharaoh, you know, God used Moses to speak to Pharaoh. And Pharaoh, for the first time, maybe even the second time that Moses came and said, you, you better do this or God will, Pharaoh hardened his own heart. But after a while in the account in Exodus, it was Yahweh God himself who started hardening Pharaoh's heart. And I think that ties perfectly into the fact that today, if you hear his voice, don't harden your heart. Because you can only harden your heart a few times, and then God will start doing it. And before you know it, you end up being an idiot like Alex Linder. Well, that marries up with that scripture, what you're saying about Pharaoh and uh, Moses, uh, that says, you know, um, because of their unrighteousness, he will give them over to a lie. Yeah, indeed, because they wouldn't retain the law within their knowledge. That's true. And one thing I found, a similar vein within all of these detractors and these sock puppets, is that is that just like Christ taught, they don't enter into the kingdom, so they do everything they can do to keep people out. And therefore, that's why they exist, to do what they do do. It's really important that we listen to the Spirit and, and we study our Bibles, because if we just go out there and trust man... Judeo-Christian or Christian identity pastor, you know, just blindly, then the chances are pretty good that we're going to end up in the ditch.
Well, well, I think the important thing here, Jeremy, is that you know we humble ourselves in Yahweh's sight, and He will exalt us in due season, as the Scripture says, and, and that we we just go with what the Spirit tells us to do. And um, I'll give a classic example of this. I don't mean to boast by by giving an example of something that I did, but uh, um, it, it really you know illustrates this. When I um, came into Christian identity. Um, as you know, I started to post on your forum, and one of the first posts I made, in fact, in fact, I think it was the fourth post I made, I, I, I created that thread about swearing in yeah. Christian identity. Yeah. And let me state once again, folks, I don't believe that if you swear once in a while, you're going to burn in the fires of Gehenna or anything. I don't think you know it's a, you, you know you're going to lose your salvation or anything. But nevertheless, the Bible says to you know watch your language, you know not 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 to you know use any foul communication. But you know we all grow in this. But my, my concern was Lindstedt's post. I mean, I used to read his posts on your forum and other forums. I used to think to myself, this guy's an absolute lunatic. I mean, it's like Al Goldstein was posting here. And it became a real stumbling block for me. Because you have to understand, I came from a Pentecostal church background. In my old church, I went there for about 20 or so years, no one swore. I never even heard the pastors, through all the years I was going there, say, say the word damn. So... I went yeah. from that to Martin Lindstedt. You know, it was a bit of a shock. Sure. And I just, you know, and, and I just ignored it for a while. I thought, oh, well, this guy's, you know, just an eccentric. But then the more I read it, I thought, oh, how, how can they permit this garbage on their forum? And I don't mean that to be insulting to you, but it really became a stumbling block for me. And I thought to myself, you know, I'd like to tell my friends, you know, I'd like to tell people that, you know, I go, that I'm a Christian identist, but if I invite them to this forum, they're going to see Martin Lindstedt's post, they, and then they're going to turn around and say to me, oh, but you, you said this was a Christian forum. Well, what's this garbage? What's this pornography doing on there? And what would I be able to say? I wouldn't have had, had a leg to stand on. So, so I, um, you know, I started that th thread, you know, in the hope that something would be done about, the, uh, about Lindstedt, to be honest, and I, I'll admit that. But, but what really shocked me about that thread in the end is that people... Some really nice people in Christian identity attacked me. They said that I was causing division from just mentioning, mentioning all this. And there, there are some people in Christian identity, uh, who are still in Christian identity now, um, who, who, who really attacked me over it. You know, I was the villain of the piece, not Marty, me, you know. And at the end of that, I, I sort of come away thinking, you know, maybe I've gotten, gotten into the wrong religion here. Maybe Yahweh... I felt that, you know, well, Yahweh seemed to be guiding me into Christian identity. Maybe I misheard his voice, you know, and I was going to leave Christian identity at one stage. I thought I'd made a mistake, but then I, it occurred to me, no, I listened to the voice of the Spirit. He wanted me to be here, and no matter how the situation ends up or has ended up, I'm going to put my trust in Yahweh. The Bible says, you know, to humble yourself in, in his sight and he will exalt you. So I decided I'm going to humble myself. I'm going to do the very best I can to be you know, the best Christian identist I can, to be as nice as possible to people as I can, and Yahweh's just going to have to sort out the situation. And he did. You know, some of the people that um, called me, you know, that were saying unkind things about me left, and that's, I'm not saying they left because you know, they said bad things about me, but you know, they, they weren't leading, being led by the Spirit. And so, uh, other people I've since become really good friends with, and they can see, see now that you know, I'm not the villain that they thought I was. But... The, the point is, Jeremy, is that I, I, I followed the prompting of the Spirit and Yahweh worked the situation out. So whenever we're in a situation where we, you know, people are calling us names and you know, freaking out about us, don't, don't do what they're doing. Step back from it. Put your trust in Yahweh. He's the one who will exalt you in due, due season. He, he will make sure that you know, your reputation in the long run is upheld and it'll be Yahweh who will do it, not you. And he can do a far better job than you can. 
Yeah, indeed. I mean, I believe also that that thread you started was of the leading of the Holy Spirit because, and I mean, it was so so simply framed. The question was, is is profanity necessary in Christian identity? Now, a real white man knows that nothing is necessary, period, nothing. You don't have to do anything. And so when you see people out there professing to be Christian identity go off like they did for their quote-unquote right to have a foul mouth, it was pretty eye-opening. In fact, it was almost like a separation of the terrors and the wheat. Now, the whole thing with Martin Lindsay was he was on my forum, and he was running people off left and right. And, of course, he sits there today saying, you've got no listeners, <laughs> which I think is ironic. But he was running people off for months, and I allowed it to go on and on and on. And the reason I didn't rebuke him soundly was because I knew exactly what he was going to do when I did. And what was ironic is I think Faber was the first to do it. I followed suit about a week later, rebuked him, and then I became the devil to Marty Lindsay. And then the irony was is Bill Fink and Eli were calling me, well, Bill was, calling me wondering what to do about this lunatic Martin. And the only thing I could tell him was that. I was like, no matter what you do, the end result is this. When you tell him no, when you rebuke him or you say anything to him, he will go out on a smear campaign attempting to defame your character. And he has for years. And so the irony behind all that is I think he went out and showed his true colors to not only me, Faber, Eli, and Bill, and everybody else within Christian Identity. It was the beginning of the severance because before that thread was written, Martin Lindsay was slinking up to Eli James and slinking up to Bill Fink and Brian Rio and whoever it was, you know, like he always does to feel them out to see if they're going to kiss his behind. Yes, that, that's exactly true. And, and even if I hadn't started that thread, Yahweh would have made sure that somebody would have started up something similar. I mean, he wants Christian. He wanted Christian identity to clean up its act, and, and he still does. I mean, you know, we have such terrible division in Christian identity. It reminds me of a, um, a thing I saw the, the other week. I turned on the, the Talmud Vision. I caught the middle of this, must have been some sort of travelogue. This Irish guy was travelling, sorry, this Aussie guy was travelling through Ireland, seeing some of the sights and sounds there. And he was in this taxi, and they were driving down this um, main street in this suburban area. On one side of the street, there was this 45-foot-high wall, and on the other side of the street, there was this other 45-foot-high wall. And the cabbie was explaining that the, the Catholics lived behind one wall, <laughs> and the Protestants lived behind another wall. And they, the government had to erect these walls back in, I think it was 1969, to stop them from killing each other, you know, because people walk down the street and people would th be throwing, you know, Protestants would be throwing, um, you know, Molotov cocktails at Catholics and, you know, rocks and things and vice yeah. versa. So they had to erect these walls to keep them from, from, from killing each other. And the cruel irony and tragedy of all this is that you've got white Israelite attacking white Israelite and, and these non-whites are flooding into their country. They're going to destroy it. I mean, the barbarians are not only just at the gate, they're in the gates in Ireland, but, you know, there's, there's still all this fighting going on. Going on. I, I, and, I mean, you know, we in Christian identity have... So, it's like, you know, Christian identity. We have so many wonderful things in common. You know, the belief in Yahweh, that Yahweh is his name, that it's wrong to race mix, that the Anglo-Saxon, Celtic and kindred peoples uh, are the true you know, Israel of Yahweh, that the, the Jews are the literal spawn of Satan, yet, yet we... We erect these walls with our ludicrous doctrinal differences and our stupid spats over things like, you know, name-calling on the internet. And, you know, we're, 
we're sort of you know we're attacking each other while the you know the the spiritual and the the, the physical barbarians are within our gate. And Yahweh, we're we're supposed to be the watchmen on the wall. You know, we're supposed to be the the people that hold the fort. But you know, we're attacking we're attacking each other within the fort at the moment. It's just a it's just a huge tragedy. And I I believe. I know um, Bill is making steps to sort of un unite Christ Christian identity, and you know, you and I, are, you know, are, are, are doing doing that too, I, I suppose. And, and you know, there just seems to be a move of the spirit at the moment to to start uniting one another. Not necessarily we have to form, you know, hang out in the same groups and you know form the same organisation. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about unity of the spirit, and I, I believe that there is a, a real move of the spirit to do that. Yeah, and I brought that up in the past as well when it comes to Rabbi Samuelson, and I've pointed out that there are people out there like Joel Olstein, John Hagee, and so forth. These are backed by millionaires, but usually backed by the Jew, and they're out there teaching miscegenation, adulteration, whatever it is. So when we see somebody attacking the remnant, the small group within that group, within that race, who I, I believe would be basically Christian identity in a nutshell, then we should be able to see that because that's exactly what we're covering is the gifts of the spirits. And one of the gifts of the spirit is to want unification. And I agree with you. I believe we should be focusing on all the things that make us similar and not be so drug aside by dogma because whether someone believes in the devil even or baptism, these are minute in contrast to what's being mass propagated on us by a, by a whole. So I'd like to see Rabbi Samuelson turn his uh, target towards somebody who's not CI, but you'll never see that because his enemies are Christian identity. Well, you, you notice that Marty always attacks white people. I mean, you, you very rarely hear him, you know, speak out against the Jews. I mean, they're not a problem. It's all white people. I mean, when he talks about, you know, all these people he wants to kill, these, these are white people. When he talks about regime criminals, you know, the children of regime criminals. Well, many of these regime criminals are whites, and their children are whites. So, so, so technically speaking, he wants to, you know, off millions of whites. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. And that's what, that really does require this, this spiritual leading. And I believe that's you know how it's worked whether it was the threat or whether it was to truth and point in cases when him and johnny boy ran off from the forum it was so much cleaner and i've grown in rankings ever since then but as long as he was there he was running off people's grandmothers mothers i had people complaining you know because they'd come to the forum and they'd want to read something and all of a sudden here's this big piece of fecal matter that, you know, that was representative of me, and that's the whole point. Christ taught that a man should be known and respected even by his enemies within the gate. But when you're known by the company you keep, therein lies the problem. And that's where I think the gifts of the Spirit comes in, is because spiritually we know one another. And we also know the, the false imposters. But those who are on the milk toast who are just coming in now, they don't know. And what a lot of these imposters appeal to are these the skinheads that are like 14, 15 years old that will abide for a couple months and leave, I think. And that's what makes them kind of dangerous. They should focus on the real enemy. But it happens to be that these people profess our faith, our religion, never teaching what Wesley Swift or Bertrand Compare did, and just so happen to have the same exact enemy list as the Southern Poverty Law Center and the ADL. To me, that speaks volumes. Yes, it, it, it's so... In, it, I, I heard of a... Uh, I, I don't know if this is an apocryphal story or not, but um, I heard of a Russian church. Um, this is going back, you know, um, you know, before 1989, you know, mm -hmm. when, when 
communism was really enforced there and um, they, were, they were concerned that a, um, a com communist infiltrator had um, entered their church but they didn't know who, who it was. And so what they said, they said was, we're going to have a meeting next week. Um, we're not going to tell you where it is. Pray to, pray to Yahweh and his spirit will guide you where, it, where, the, where the meeting will be. So they all prayed and all of them, bar one, knew where to go. The one was the communist infiltrator. Wow. The, the moral of the story is if we walk in the spirit, if we're seeking Yahweh, he, he'll, he'll tell us who's who and who's poo. Hello, Marty. And he'll, yeah. he, he'll, he'll, he'll guide us into all truth. He'll sort all the, you know, if we only put our trust in our loving Heavenly Father who created heaven and earth, you know, our, our bodies, you know, this miraculous world we live in, if we can't put our trust in him to sort out the differences in, the petty differences in Christian identity, you know, then, then who can we trust? I mean, Yahweh, you know, we've got to start walking in his spirit, folks. I mean, we can't emphasize this enough, you know, and he'll lead us into all truth. He'll tell us, you know, what we need to do and what we don't need to do, and everything will coalesce. You know, everything will work out well. Yeah, that's true. If we listen to the spirit and don't listen to the don't. slander, that's the other thing. You know, a lot of these things... When you're milk toast, you may not be able to catch, but after study, and just like you were saying, with practicing faith or faith with those, you know, communing with the Holy Spirit, it becomes more commonplace, and we grow within that faith, and we grow within the knowledge as well. And that's how we're able to see that these people who are promoting lawlessness, rape and prion poisoning and so forth, I mean, we know as well as anything, that's, as, that's lower than probably anything a Jew could ever suggest, is talking about poisoning the fish in one of the lakes that God creates. I mean, I can't think of anything probably more abominable than that or an assault on God himself. And you, could you imagine all the, the innocent people that would have died as a result of that? But, you know, according to Marty, that's perfectly justified because he's the, you know, he's the, the vicarious angel of the Lord and, you know, he can do anything he wants. Even, you know, skin a lot, strip little white girls and boys naked and skin them alive and then cut them up and feed them to their parents. But, you know, it's all perfectly acceptable in his eyes. It's all, um, you know, God has chosen him for the task and he must carry it out. But you touched on a very important point just then, Jeremy. You spoke about faith. Now, the Bible says without faith, it is impossible to please Yahweh. I mean, it's not only just highly difficult and extremely unlikely, it is impossible. You can't do it. And the great thing about faith is that it puts us into contact with the spiritual realm. It helps us to, to serve Yahweh in the spirit. And because in order, more often than not, in order to you know, approach Yahweh through faith, we have to disengage that, that, that part of ourselves that connects with the natural, you know, disengage ourselves from our five senses. You know, faith means putting our trust in, in something that's beyond our, our senses. And when we do that, when we put our trust in Yahweh according to his word, you know, we shouldn't believe in stupid things. If you know Yahweh's promised us something in, in the Scripture, according to His Word, then we have every right to to expect that to come to pass and to see that in our lives. But that's why faith is so important, because faith, through faith, we're being led by the Spirit. Yeah, indeed, and that's a good point. It is impossible to please God, and that's why I think it's beautiful about the simplicity that is in Christ, because if Christ says, "My sheep hear My voice, and the voice of a stranger they won't follow." He means exactly what he says. Only the faithless are going to be out there saying, oh, oh, well, the Israelite flock is going to be duped by so-and-so. He's a mamzer. That's a contradiction to what God himself taught. And that's where in the spiritual discernment, I think that's where it comes in, is, is 
Paul gives us a great list here, and there's other places. In fact, I covered it this weekend from John even and Christ. They tell us that we need to obey, and they tell us that we need to recognize and do all of these things within the Spirit. And I think that's what the detractor doesn't have. They don't possess the morality of God, like you said, which in, a, in essence is the law written on their heart. So they really don't believe Christ when he says, by which measure you judge, you shall be re- judged in return. Or before even that, judge not. And that's where it really starts, I believe. It's so hardwired that when a person starts judging other people like these rabbis do us, it's usually because they're already outside of the kingdom. They're already condemned in the first place, and that's why they do it. They couldn't do that and believe Christ who says to judge not, period. Well, gee, you covered a lot of really good points there. Uh, uh, one of them, of course, is being not, not to judge people. Um, I mean, Yahweh's really impressed upon me, especially this past few months, not to do that, because it's always very tempting for us to do it. And there have been times when I've had a, a bad thought about a, a brother or a sister in Christ, you know, within Christian identity, you know, thinking about something they did or said, said to me or what have you. But then I thought, well, I've done something similar to that, uh, you know, to that person too. I should, I'm, not, I'm in no position to be judging them. I've done the exact same thing. And I mean, what, um, what Yahweh's really telling us there is that we're imperfect. We're going to stuff up frequently. And that if we're going to, if he's going to overlook our missteps, of which there are going to be many, then we're going to have to look other other people's missteps. And, and as Christ said, you know, we touched on this the other week, you know, love one another as I, as Christ loved us. I mean, Christ forgave us of, you know, Christ has forgiven us of everything. You know, Christ, you know, Yahweh's forgiven people of murder, of adultery, all sorts of things. And yet we can't forgive someone because they call us names on the internet. And you even hear, and the thing that really ticks me off, Jeremy, is where Christian identists threaten to, physically attack other Christian identities, threaten to beat each other up. I mean, that is, folks, never, ever do that under any circumstance. Never get into a physical fight with the anointed of the Lord. I mean, um, you only have to see the story of um, Saul and David to, to, to see a perfect illustration of that. Now, Saul was set out to murder David, and David actually had the opportunity to run Saul through, but he didn't. And the reason he didn't was because he knew Saul had been anointed by the Lord and that it was up to Yahweh, not David, Yahweh to judge Saul. You know, if a brother's getting out of line and, you know, doing something silly, you, you don't take him on in a fight. Yahweh will sort out that situation. You never, ever put your hand on the anointed of the Lord. Yeah, that's a grievous mistake. And that's what I think a lot of these false you know, wannabes out there are going to find out that when you do touch God's anointed, it's usually never a very good outcome. And so while they sit and live in squalor and in shacks and can't mow their grass and are being sued by the cities they live in, basically God's anointed are out here with a pretty good life, blessed of God, plenty of crops, plenty of acreage. And so it would be almost lunacy and uh, exactly that's the whole point scripturally we're not supposed to do that scripturally we're not supposed to judge and in judging our brethren like paul and john say we judge the law in essence when we come out and we say oh so and so isn't going to get into heaven because i don't i don't think i don't like his eye color for example you're essentially saying that god himself failed and you're better than god yes i think more often than not we place too great an emphasis on people's outward appearance now now don't get me wrong folks i'm not saying if a negro walks into into a, a church a christian identity a church you, you should accept them or, or you know or you know an asian or anything like that but but i mean 
none of us are born perfect. I mean, you know, the perfect Christian identist, the perfect human being, the perfect white person hasn't been inve invented yet. I mean, everyone, even the most attractive, handsome people have their, um, you know, little, little phys physical, you know, anomalies, little, you know, faults and failings within their, their physical selves. I mean, you know, we, I think, you know, I mean, it doesn't worry me if somebody has brown eyes. You know, brown eyes doesn't necessarily mean you're, you, you know, you're not white. And the same with people with big noses. Not everyone with a big nose is a Jew. I mean, you know, some people are born with, you know, big feet. You know, do, does that mean that everyone born with big feet are, are Jews or, or non-whites? I mean, you know, it's the spirit that guides us into all truth. The spirit will tell us who's who and who's Jew. And it's something that, you know, we really need to, to, to look to more often. You know, the, the Bible says God's not interested in outward appearance. You know, he's no respecter of persons. It's the inward man he's interested in. It's your heart that he's interested in, the very centre of your being. What, 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 what's at your centre of your being? Is it, you know, love and forgiveness for, for your brother? It's, you know, that willingness to serve Yahweh? Is it just this little just black ball that's just, you know, wants to, you know, seek its own, its, its, its own, um, you know, wealth, its own, you know, benefit, its own glory? Yeah, amen to that, because, you know, as far as I know, when you're counting off the forefathers of Christian identity, whether it be Wesley Swift, Bertrand Comparé, or Richard Butler, all three of these men had brown hair and brown eyes. So, point in case, when somebody is out there thinking they're so much greater, you know, I because they have blonde hair or they whatever, that's already goring in the flesh you know and christ said that he god can raise up stones to abraham's seed and the reason he said that was not because race was not important but because israelites have the misfortune and the uncanny characteristic of going out there and making a religion centering around their race the race is essential you have to be israelite but when that's it when you sit back and say i'm israelite that's all i got to do in essence, you're a Pharisee. That's all the Pharisees did was sit back and revel in their flesh, and they couldn't keep the law, and Christ had to rebuke them. And it is amazing how the Judeo-Christians take that and turn it opposite. In their mind, they want you to believe that the Pharisee followed the law and Christ came to do away with it. But in reality, if you read back, time and time again, Christ would tell them, you do err in not understanding the Scriptures, nor the Spirit of God. They didn't possess the Spirit, and therefore it was impossible for them to exercise its statutes and judgments. Well, that's right. I, I mean, you know, the, our outward mantle, our flesh is merely a vessel for the Spirit. I mean, the Spirit is eternal. The flesh is mortal. I mean, the flesh is temporal. It's not going to last. And, you know, let's face it, Jeremy, the day you were born, you know, you started to die. I mean, you know, you're, you know, the, the Bible says it's appointed unto man once to die and then the judgment. Um, so, so much for Logan's idea, Logan Hunter's idea, belief in reincarnation. <laughs> but, uh, I, I, I mean, you, you know, we must, the, as I said, it's like the other week, it's like getting your driver's license, you know. Um, um, being born an Israelite gives you the, the right to drive, but being filled with the Holy Spirit enables you to continue to drive. It enables you to stay on the road and not lose your license. And, you know, we don't want to lose our license, folks. Yeah, and that's a good point. It is the top of the hour. It is 8 o'clock. And so, therefore, if anybody listening wants to call in and has a scriptural and or Christian identity-related question, go ahead and feel free to do so at this time. That, of course, probably excludes Marty Lindsay because I had about enough of him on the News Guy show. 
But it was fun. And in fact, I had mentioned I would never go back on the news guy show. But when he, you know, when he goes on there and he's saying all that stuff, it's just kind of fun to go on there and proverbially smack him down. So we put that up on YouTube, and I'm sure it's going to get a lot of views because it's nobody out here. That's one thing I want to point out. It's not Eli James or Bill Fink or even Brian Rio or myself who's run run particular individuals out of Christian identity. The only person that can run somebody out of Christian identity is themselves if they take themselves out. And I've seen that happen several times. Yes, well, well, you know, we spend so much, as we've been discussing, we spend so much time worrying about how a person looks. But I mean, you know, the spirit will tell us, ultimately will tell us, you know, whether that person is of Yahweh or not. And, and of course, their fruits, the thing they, they do. We've been given spiritual discernment. You know, how about we use it once in a while? Yeah. That's a good point, because if we were actually using that spiritual discernment, I believe it would uh, solve a lot of these problems out there. And I'm speaking for myself included. I'm telling you straight up that my wife had told me for years. I had people within my church telling me. I had my friends, my brothers telling me, hey, look, this guy's a lunatic. This guy's a chomo. This is somebody that you do not want to have on your forums nor involved with. And ironically, because I sent the man books while he was in Fulton State Hospital, and I, I sent him money, put it on his books, and did these things for him, when he got out, unfortunately, the first place he came to was my forum. And, of course, John Britton bought him his computer, and it took a few weeks. But from that point until now, things have never been the same. And so it's kind of interesting to see these imposters quoting things that happened while Martin Lindsay was in the, in the state hospital and muddying it up. Because anybody who was there, like yourself or Andrew Carrington Hitchcock or anybody, Laszlo, anybody who lived through that or was – part of the Ukoi radio show remembers what happened. They already know that Jonathan Williams disappeared and then they came and more or less rebuked Aryan Nations as a title and Christian identity as a whole and embraced, well, at least Darren Howard did. I don't know what happened to Jonathan Williams. Where are they now? I've seen people come and go time and time again, but when you start quoting somebody saying that uh, this person threatened somebody's unborn baby that was born five years ago, I already know it's fake. Out the gate. There, nobody's talking to anybody out there. They're grasping for straws. And part of that, I believe, is because of what we're doing, this show. It's perceived as a huge threat by the enemies of Christ, and that's why they've stepped up their attack through their little poster children. And so every day this week, you can go over there to that forum, and I'm not going to give the URL, but that particular rabbi has bumped a thread against you or I. And that's beautiful. That's how I know we're doing the right thing. Well, what was... The thing about it is, Jeremy, um, (laughs) if people walked in the Spirit, if we were led by the Spirit, we wouldn't have all these ridiculous divisions and falling outs and, you know, just, you know, all of these problems in Christian identity because Yahweh would sort it all out. Because what he's essentially saying is, you know, give it over to him. He'll, he'll, you know, tell you who's who and who's due. That, that of course, doesn't mean that we shouldn't, you know, use our own mouth and, you know, wisdom in these things. But, I mean, ultimately, he'll sort it out. If we put our trust in him, just like he did with the situation when I had the problem with all those brethren who, um, who, who, who were telling me off as a result of that, uh, that thread I started on swearing. I mean, one of them was Matt Ott, who I have a real lot of respect for, by the way. So don't take this as a criticism, Matt, Matt Ott. But he was one of the ones who, who had a go at me. But we've since become really good friends. You know, I, I said some things about him I shouldn't have said, and he said some things about me I shouldn't, should, you know, he shouldn't have said. But, but because I looked to the Lord and he looked to the Lord, Yahweh mended that riff, and we could see that we, we weren't the villains we, we thought each other uh, other were, you know, because we put our trust in Yahweh. The Spirit 
you know, smooth things over. It's so important that we're, we're led by the Spirit. Now, Jeremy, I said in the show notes that I'd, I'd, I'd discuss Pentecostal churches because um, I, I discuss them in the first, the missing half of that, um, that podcast. But I'm sure a lot of people probably haven't heard that. So I, I want to briefly just touch on that simply because, as most people probably know, I used to go to a, a Pentecostal church and, you know, we see all of these so-called modern gifts as a spirit today, the voice gifts like speaking in tongues, interpretation and prophecy. You know, are we to believe that that's of, of Yahweh or not? Well, you know, th- this might help people to decide. Now, I used to go to a Pentecostal church for, you know, 20 or so years and I reckon during that time I must have heard at least... I must have heard th- literally thousands of messages in tongues, thousands of interpretations, thousands of prophecies, and not once, I can honestly say before Yahweh, not once in all that time did I ever hear an interpretation or a prophecy that I could honestly say was um, of Yahweh. You know, there were, pe- people would never say anything that was, you know, clearly divinely inspired, that was, you know, th- that was, uh, that they never imparted knowledge that was outside of themselves. It was always something they would have said anyway. And I used to be involved in, in the spiritual gifts or, or the so-called spiritual gifts in Pentecostal churches. And I, you know, used to speak in tongues or thought I did. I used to interpret or thought I did. I used to prophesy or thought I did. But the only things I ever said were things that were on my mind anyway, except for tongues. You know, you just rattle off all this babble, but it wasn't, you know, a heavenly language or even an earthly language. It was just this babble that, you know, you sort of, you, you, you sort of could do. And the thing that really... I think the most damning thing about modern Pentecostalism is the fact that whenever you hear a message, well, in the church I went to, it was one of Melbourne's biggest Pentecostal churches. And whenever I heard someone give an interpretation or a prophecy, not once in all that time did I ever hear the Spirit correct our doctrine. And now this is a church where, you know, um, uh, race mixing was rife. And we used to preach that the Jews can be saved. Not once in all that time of the 20 years I went to that Pentecostal church did I hear the Holy Spirit say to someone, don't race mix or, you know, don't believe that the Jews are my chosen people. They're not. I didn't even hear the Spirit say, don't eat pork. So either that church and other Pentecostal churches' doctrine is, is so perfect that it never needs any correction from the Spirit or it's all bogus. And the reason I believe that we see a modern Pentecostal revival, I don't think it's a true revival, is because it's Satan's way of allowing race mixing, of promoting race mixing in the church. You go back to um, the Azusa Street revival in Los Angeles at the turn of the last century. Um, A couple of blacks were, were some of the prime movers and shakers of that movement. It was one of the first major church meetings where, where, where blacks and whites intermixed and when I was in this Pentecostal church you know people black we'd have all sorts of non-whites come in they'd get baptized and allegedly filled with the Holy Spirit they'd speak in tongues or you know they'd, they'd babble away and, and when that happened you couldn't help but think to yourself well because that person is quote unquote filled with the Spirit being quote unquote baptized in the Holy Spirit that means that they're approved by Yahweh that Yahweh you know, accepts that person. If Yahweh accepts them, then we must. And that means it's okay to, you know, be friends with that non-white. It's okay to marry that non-white. It's okay to have children with that non-white. So the whole Pentecostal setup that we have nowadays is completely false. It's a sham. It's satanically inspired. And its whole purpose is to, to promote race mixing. Yeah, and that's pretty much the agenda of almost every one of these Judeo-Christian churches. I've noticed that at least here in the South, it seems that there's very little difference between the Pentecostals, the Methodists, the Baptists. You know, They may have one doctrine here or there that they want to stand on, and even then it's pretty 
it's kind of loose. It's kind of like I brought up one time before to a Lutheran about how Martin Luther wrote the Jews in their lives and how, you know, Hitler actually kind of picked up on that and attributed the great German language, quote-unquote, to Martin Luther's Bible. And, of course, his his reply is, oh, well, we kind of repented of that. Martin Luther, it was different times back then, and, you know. <laughs> and it was so what I'm saying is it seems like even Lutherans aren't, don't follow the teachings of Luther, and so on the same token, I'm sure it would be the same way with Pentecostals. And so, yeah, here in the South, that's usually what it is. And predominantly, you know, with Jehovah's Witnesses and the Pentecostal churches are predominantly black in the South. And so a lot of times you'll see the black guys hopping around in, in the county jails and stuff speaking in tongues, or at least what they think is speaking in tongues, and it does sound like a bunch of chimp chatter in a way. Well, well, I read out that scripture earlier from um, John sixteen thirteen, when it says, um, but when he, the spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into all truth. Now, if these people in Pentecostal churches were really spirit-filled and the spirit was really speaking through them, why doesn't the spirit tell them to stop race-mixing? Yeah, that's a good point. That's a good point. And I believe a lot of that is because they have these false prophet preachers in Judeo-Christianity, like CI has theirs as well, pushing the agenda that it's perfectly 100% okay. Perfect example of that in America is Robert Scholler. I mean, Robert Scholler was, he preached in the Crystal Cathedral in Los Angeles. He had one of the biggest churches there. And he actually brought his daughter up to preach about the joys of miscegenation. So he had his daughter up there and his black son-in-law, if you want to call it that, and he was talking about how God was so proud of his daughter and how she's making leaps for, you know, unification and, and for humanity and all of this stuff. And I'm sitting here thinking, well, where's Ezra, Nehemiah? Where's the law of God come into this? Because these books solely center around people who messed up by race mixing and had to put away their their strange spouses and their children in order to please God. Most men aren't able to do that, and that's why I believe it is, because these false dogmas, you hear time in and time out that it, the Jews are God's chosen. Naturally, somebody who's not familiar with the Bible is going to start trying to see that in the Scripture. Well, the, the hypocrisy of the, some of these Pentecostal people and people like Schuller, as you mentioned, is, is unbelievable. I, I, as I said, I used to be involved in Pentecostalism in a major way, and um, I used to be very big on Kenneth Copeland. I used to, you know, watch all of the Believer's Voice of Victories and subscribe to his magazine. I even donated him some months and used to tithe to him, but he, he, his church. And, and, and Copeland is really big on faith, or, or so, so he thinks, and he's, he'll always go on and on about how important it is to save faith seeds, that you create, that seed creates kind after kind, you know, that if, you, you know, if you're full of faith in your life and you'll see the, the seeds, you, know, um, you know, blossom into, you know, blessings and all sorts of wonderful things. But yet here he is as a guy, he, he believes that, you know, when it comes to faith and things like that, it's kind after kind, but when it comes to, you know... Um, Marrying people, it's okay for a white to marry a black, you know, but yet the Bible says, you know, yet he keeps talking about how, you know, God created kind after kind. So why is he promoting race mixing? I mean, it's just ridiculous. Yeah, and that's a good point, too, because it seems like, from what I've seen, a lot of these Judeo-Christian pastors will put more stock in the pedigree of their dog or their horse than they do their own children. And so it's weird. I wonder personally how much of that is actually for pretense. Because if the law is truly written on the heart of, of, of 
Israel, of white men, then I believe deep down, even if a person tries to convince himself that it's okay to miscegenate and race mix, that when his daughter brings home Leroy, he'll still have a problem with it, even if he tries to say he doesn't. And that's what I think it is, is spiritually the Judeo-Christians have, have their flock so spiritually crippled that people like you and I, or anyone who preaches line by line or precept upon precept from the Scripture, exactly what it says, become the offense. And in a way, it was exactly the same way for Christ. You know, he came and all of a sudden he was the offense. They wanted to put him on the cross. And what was he telling people time and time again? You know, go back to the Scripture. I've foretold you all things. Well, when their, when their daughters rock up, you know, with Leroy at the, the family home and, you know, the, the father sees it for the first time, I'm sure he'll get that pr stirring in his conscience, and, you know, that stirring of the spirit with a small s. But he'll, um, he, he'll misinterpret it. He'll, he'll see it as a, a sign from Satan to say that, you know, um, you know race mixing is, is bad. And it, he'll just ignore it thinking, oh, well, you know, this is the devil trying to tell me that this, this isn't not on. But, you know, obviously it is because it's, it's, it's of God. You know, this is my daughter. My daughter worships God and this black guy worships God. They're wonderful people. Therefore, it must be of God, you know, despite the, the pricking of the conscience. Yeah, that's a really good point. These guys get so misled and that's partially because of it. In, in point in case, there's simplicity in Christ. There truly is. And when people come along and they say this, you know, the only way I think they're able to do it is for the milk toast. Like Scripture says, how they're able to go in and they're able to mislead silly women laden with sins and lead them astray. It's the same way for each one of us if we're not within the Holy Spirit or have the, the Spirit's guiding. You know, I believe the only way anybody can come to, to Christian identity is through the leading of the Spirit. Like your story, like my story, which we covered about a month ago, if you look back on those, it really is God saying, hey, this is what I want for you. You may not want this. I may not have wanted to choose this path in life. But when you really see reality and truth, tr and, and I've taught this before, truth is something you can't backslide from. Truth is either is or isn't, but it's fixed and it's manifest. In order to turn from something like truth, you have to embrace a lie. And I believe most people Christian identity are not willing to do that. Well, it all comes down, as you, you said earlier in the show, of you know being led by the by the shepherd's voice. I mean, you you know, in your little uh, testimony you gave um, a month or so ago, you were saying about how when you were a young fella, you you were just obsessed with you know collecting Bibles and getting into the Word. I mean, clearly you were called by Yahweh, and um, I felt, and I knew I was called by God, even though I wouldn't have been able to articulate it in so many words um, back when I was a, a little tyke, but I knew I was set aside to do something special, that I was different from everybody. Now, of course, my critics will say I'm different because, you know, I'm an idiot, and I, I won't argue the toss with them. I'll let them have that one. But, um, but I, I always knew that, that, you know, Yahweh wanted, had a special plan for me, you know, that I, I, I had to do something, you know, he, he, he chose me to do something very important, as he chooses all the people he, he calls to do something important. And, and, and it was something I couldn't separate from myself, even though I tried to with sin and hedonism and, you know, trying to reject Yahweh. I always had this just innate sense of God in my life. There was just that little, little, it, it, it got to the point where it was only just a little tiny moat within me, a little tiny just feeling sensation. Whereas now, today, it's like this blazing nuclear furnace inside me that gets brighter every day. You know, the idea that I could stop doing this and, you know, not believe in Yahweh anymore is just anathema to me. Now it's just so totally, you know, beyond my sort of sense of who I am and what I am in Christ that um, 
It would be like chopping off my arms and legs. It's just something I couldn't do. I mean, and I'm sure it's the same with you. you, you just, there's just that, you know, every day that, that just feeling of the spirit within you just gets stronger and stronger and stronger. It's not a still small voice anymore. It's like this raging torrent now. Yeah, yeah, and that's the other thing about the beauty of Scripture as well is because the longer you stay in it, it's amazing how there a little and here a little, it will unlock other places. And suddenly things that you never saw before or even at first sound you know, foreign to what we've been taught as children, you know, by the Judeos, are there in plain black, white, and red letters. And so that's the beauty of it as well. Sometimes I wonder why people have big issues with the law, you know, when Christ plainly says we need to follow the law, or they have issues with, you know. What I was going to point out is that, is that almost a majority of every one of these lefties that are Judeo-Christians, that go to these Judeo-Christian churches, if you were to ask them, oh, does God, you know, does God condone racism? The, oh, they would, they would exclaim, God doesn't see race, God judges everyone equally, God loves everybody but then on the same token, they'll turn right over and say the Jews are God's chosen. They're the apple of his eye. They're the ones that God holds above everyone else. And so to me, it's a false dichotomy. How can we be wrong for saying we're Israel and what's not race mix, but the Jews are okay to do it? There has to be some conditioning behind that. Yeah, it, it, it's such hypocrisy, isn't it? Because it's such blatant racism. It's just racism you know, in favor of the Jews as opposed to against the Jews as it ought to be. I mean, you know, and, and the Bible says, Christ clearly said, and, and, and Kenneth Copeland, you know, preaches these things, and all, you know, uh, you know all, all of the people he hangs out with, you know, Joyce Myers and all those idiots, they all say the same thing. They all say that, you know, you reject Christ, you reject, you reject those that sent him. Yet central, one of the tenets of um, Judaism is the rejection of Christ. I mean, you know, they, they say Christ is the bastard son of a prostitute, I think they say, and he's boiling in... Is it excrement or semen or something in, in hell? And I mean, you know, they, they totally reject Christ. And you can just see that by, you know, their, their, their terrible influence on, on, um, in society. I mean, that, Jew, that famous Jew pornographer, Al Goldstein, he came right out one day and said that the reason that Jews are so heavily into pornography is because they hate Christ. It's their way of attacking Christ and white people. Yeah, definitely, at the family unit. And that's one thing I've noticed that seemingly every Jew has in common, which is why I was talking about my childhood. Going to magnet school in California, you know, these guys would be coming to school and they'd be like, oh, it's my bar mitzvah, I'm getting a hooker. And I think as a kid, like, you know, you're lying. This isn't, you know, this isn't true. But apparently it is. It's one of their rites of passages. And so somewhere along there, there is this attack on morality. And we also see that with certain people within Christian identity who profess the title outwardly, but their attacks are always against morality. They're always they they're not married. They don't have any children of their own. The children they did have, they'd sodomize and ended up in jail over or you know, they're never blessed of God. And that's therefore I think it's kind of like that whole mentality. They know they're going down. And because they're going down like a little inseminate queer, they want to throw that little slap out at the very end. And that usually enrages a man of God in the first place, even more so. Well, as I said last week, Jeremy, Lindstedt forms a dividing line between people in Christian identity who have discernment and the people who have no discernment. The people who have no discernment, of course, are friends of Marty Lindstedt. I mean, here you have... I mean, what, what does... 
I'd like to ask these people a question, like Logan Hunter and Russ Walker. I know they're all idiots and they're not going to you know, heed a word I say. But, I mean, you know, here is a guy, Martin Lindstedt, who has a, a talk show show, ostensibly Christian identity show, yet he himself says it's the gossip show. I mean, the Bible says it commands us not to be gossipers. I mean, what if he had a show? To, what if he? What if he said his show was race mix, a race mixing show, or a fornication show, or a lying show? I mean, wouldn't that sort of, you know, sort of make you sit up and take notice? But yet here he is. Here he is. He's got a show that that he says is a gossip show, and he, he often says it's a gossip show. And the Bible forbids gossip. I mean, you know, what better sign do do you need, folks, to to show that this guy is not of Yahweh? I mean, he's a false prophet. I mean, he, he's a you know, if, if he's of anyone, he's of the devil. Yeah, exactly. And it's further confirmed in the book of Revelation that outside the kingdom are the, whosoever loveth and maketh a lie. Point in case. You don't have to make the lie. All you have to do is buy into it. And that's why I stress the importance of having proof, just like you do, and it's for that purpose. I don't care what the Jew says about me. The Jew's going to go out there and say, I'm a demon, I'm a false prophet, my wife's a whore, my kids are nigger lovers. They're going to say all of that. That's what the Jew does. So it's not about me defending myself. It's about me trying to defend the flock. And the flock had better have two witnesses, because that's what I've tried to point out before, is, you know, without that to witness, without having proof of what we choose to believe, then we're in that same company outside the gate with whosoever made the lie because we enjoyed it and partook in it. You know, And that's the danger of it all is that a lot of guys out there don't like me. The first person they run to is the rabbi. And ironically, a lot of – when they want to bring up dirt on me, the first person they quote – are other rabbis. And so to us, we can see them clear as day. To pretty much anyone in Christian identity, we know who a lot of these people are. Their time is fixed. But what I've noticed is just like on Jim Giles or News Guy Show or whatever it is, they get in, they inject their poison, and they leave. And in essence, that's what happens is to the first-time listener, to the fruitful mind, they hear that and they say, well, you know what, I don't want to go rape somebody. I don't want to be convicted of sodomy because that's, again, you know, it's so foreign to Scripture then they can never come to the truth of Christian identity, and that's the sad thing. Then they're forever locked within Judeo-Christianity, and if you think about it, that's exactly where the devil wants them. And even if people don't go along with Lindstedt's lies, if they think he's, um, you know, like I know Logan Hunter and uh, Russ Walker were complaining about, um, you know, Marty's always, you know, criticising others. But the fact that, the, that they give Marty his tacit approval by being on his show and, you know, not criticising him, by not condemning him for what he does makes them a party to what he's doing. Not only that, w even worse than that, it shows that they're not being led of the Spirit. And if you're, you know, Yahweh's not going to lead you to hang out with Marty Lindstedt. Absolutely no way, folks. I mean, if you, you think that, I mean, you know, you might as well go and become a Catholic or do something else because you're, 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 you're in the wrong religion, you know. L what Lindstedt does is it's just nothing but deceit and slander and just, you know, utter, utter hypocrisy. It, you know, Yahweh's not going to lead you into that. He's going to lead you in the opposite direction. So, you know, if you're hanging out with Marty Lindstedt, if you think he's a really nice guy, you know, he speaks the truth about everybody, then, you know, you're not being led of the Spirit. And if you're not being led of the Spirit, as Jeremy and I have made it very clear in the past few um, podcasts, you're not a child of Yahweh. I don't care how pure, how pure white you are or how, you know, how, um, you know, if, if you can trace your, 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 your genetic line right back to the Garden of Eden, right back to Adam and Eve, you know, you're not of Yahweh. So, you know, 
get your act together, people. That's all I can say. Good point. Really good point, because that's why it exists. As the ADL perceives Christian identity to be the biggest threat, you know, and goes out and attacks people like Eli James and Bill Fink, so also does the Jew rejoice when that happens. And so that's exactly what happens. And the irony is, I believe, is just like Christ and Pete Peters, and pretty much the Bible teaches, the hypocrite always calls you what they are. So while a person goes around talking about, well, so-and-so took down some of my web pages, they always leave out the convenient fact that they were infringing copyright, that they brought the wrath upon themselves. But like a Jew, they'll sit there and go, oh, they took down my website. I say, good. And if somebody truly put my brother's pictures up on their website, they'd be gone tomorrow too. That's good. That's white law. That's biblical law. Because, you know... <laughs> the penalty against perjury and blasphemy and all of these lies that people make up is the same as the perjurer. You're right. There is guilt by association. Birds of a feather do flock together. And ironically, no one of any theological clout or real background flocks to that. It's always these guys like Logan Hunter who want to sit here and say they're reincarnated Nazis. And I say, go ahead and let the rabbi have them. Because as long as they do that, the the, the best thing we can do is counter their nonsense scripturally. And that's essentially what it comes down to. The Spirit will lead you. You're either led by the Spirit or you're not. And if you're not led by the Spirit, you're led by one other thing, and that's the flesh. And that's what usually happens to mankind when they start justifying themselves in Scripture, whether it's about what they want to eat, what they want to engage in, or who they want to bed down that night. That's usually what it is. The flesh leads them to do that, and therefore nothing else will matter. You'll serve one master or serve the other, but you'll you'll serve one, you know. Now, as as to all those accusations that you're, you're a non-white or that you're Cherokee or you, that you're this or that, I recommend people have a look at uh, a video you posted on your forum and I posted on my forum as, uh, as well of you you and your family at the um, Scriptures for America meeting. You know, this Pastor Pete Peters up there preaching away and you see a shot of Jeremy and his kids and I don't know, Jeremy, you look oddly white to me. I was expecting, you know, Indian headdress, you know, going around going, mum, mum, mawa, mum, mum, mawa, you know. It, uh, you looked um, oddly white, attractive white people with, you know, blue eyes and blonde hair. So, so what's going on? I, you know, that's the interesting thing, you know. I'm kind of disappointed in old Rabbi Samuelson because he's been going around for three, four years telling everybody how I'm a cork-eyed mamzer and all my kids are, are black-headed and, and black-eyed. And bam, his whole premise was pulled out from under his feet with the, in the source of, what, four minutes? In a video, and that's what I mean, with these detractors, they don't realize. Just keep letting them do it. I'm glad to see this report by quote-unquote R.D. Bradshaw, because the more rope you give the enemy, eventually they'll hang themselves. That's exactly what happened with my wife. I pointed out with news guy, you know. Oh, when, when I was gone for three months, all of a sudden, you know. But here he is going around telling people my wife left me, she divorced me, took the kids, was screwing niggers, all of this crap. And all I had to do to shatter the entire thing was put her on for, what, two seconds for her to shatter it down. That, of course, didn't stop him from going out and, and, and focusing his wrath on her, but she knows already pissing off a Jew is a good thing. That gets you, you know, that's storing up treasures in heaven, if anything. Well, that's nothing compared to what happened to me, Jeremy. I mean, a one-eared dingo ran off with my pickle. Oh, yeah, when there's no dingoes in Melbourne, right? <laughs> no, no, that's right, uh, you know, one-eared or otherwise. But, I mean, you know, it's all, it's all part of, it's all grist for his demonization, Mill. I mean, it's all to, 
you know, to make us look bad and, you know, to for, for people to treat us with contempt. But it all comes down to, again, being led by the Spirit. Yahweh will lead you to the people, you know, you're, you're meant to to you know team up with to, to to befriending christian identity he'll show you who's who and who's poo and who's jew i mean we don't have to you know really concern ourselves too much with these things because if we put our trust in yahweh if we you know hold back from abstain from getting into fights with people folks if we don't say call each other names we don't th threaten to beat each other up i mean it's better if somebody if somebody in christian identity you know uh, tries to pick a fight with you turn turn around and walk away and you know now, now i'm sure some guys will guys will think oh but but you know i'll be called a coward if i do that well so what if you're called a coward i mean look what jesus christ did for us i mean you know he he was somebody who could have you know wiped out he could have nuked all it vaporized all his enemy with enemies with just one thought but he allowed himself to be degraded to be whipped to be humiliated and I'm sure the disciples looked at him, you know, when all this was, was, was happening, you know, and him walking to Calvary with the cross, that they probably thought to themselves, oh, well, Christ was so brave and so strong and so powerful, but he's turned into such a wuss, such a wimp. You know, Christ, Christ saw his reputation as something that, 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 something that he was prepared to, to, you know, be totally besmirched in order to, to save his people. You know, he put his people above everything about himself his honor his dignity his you know physical sovereignty and, and yet we can't you know overlook it when somebody you know wants to pick a fight with us or somebody wants to call us names or somebody wants to you know do this or th that to us but you know folks you know we, we have to understand that the point that you know Yahweh Yahweh wants us to you know be like him to be like Christ and if we can't you know, exercise the love that um, Christ has shown to us, then he's going to raise up a, another group of people to do the job, and I don't want him to. I want to do the job. I want to be, you know, involved in this as, you know, much as I possibly can. I want to get the, that, you know, that, that glorious well done, thou good and faithful servant, you know. And uh, as the scripture says, I think it's in First Corinthians 13, Jeremy, where it says, you know, you can speak with the tongues of men and angels, you can have faith to move mountains, you can do all that you, you possibly can, but if you don't have love... If you don't have that simple forgiveness towards one another, then you're completely useless to Yahweh. The Bible says you're a standing brass. You're of no use to him at all. So if we can't exercise simple brotherly love towards one another, that simple you know, heavenly currency, then we're, we're, we're doomed, as a, not only as a race, but a, a, you know, as a, a religion, if I can call Christian identity that. But so, it is, so it is so important that we start to, to unite. If not, you know, I'm not talking about, you know, that we all get together in groups and, you know, do this and that, but unite spiritually. Yeah, agreed. And that's the whole theme behind, you know, 1 Corinthians chapter 12 that Paul and, and, and we've been covering is that, is that the spirit of Yahweh is that. His desire, obviously, from the whole story of the marriage supper of the Lamb is oneness, which is the symbology of marriage, leaving mother and father and clinging and becoming one. And so that's what I think is really important about what we're covering here is because it, it, it'll go on, and I'm sure we'll cover it next week. We only covered one verse, but it says it's from God. And, and then there's the hand, the foot, the body, the leg, the arm, and each one of these quote-unquote members of that body of Christ. And, but all these members have one thing in common. You won't find the pastor attacking the seamstress and the seamstress attacking the parking lot attendant. Every single one of these people have a place to roll, you know, or a, a, a 
position to fill to bring about Yahweh's will on earth. And that's what I think is great about it. I'm happy when when a new Christian identity pastor comes. I'm not really happy when I finally go to listen to them and they start talking about honey booze and Nazis on Venus and a bunch of malarkey. But I think there should be more of that. There's far too little. And, and I, I'm not threatened in any way, shape, or form. I hope, you know, I hope that it takes off like wildfire, as it seemingly has. It's grown in numbers. And that we get a whole new slew of Christian identity pastors ordained and, and carry that mantle and carry that torch. Because the ones out there who are spending all their time attacking the next generation of Christian identity pastors should already be suspect. That should be their mentality. They should want that if they were true spiritual believers. But they're afraid. Therefore, they do like you had mentioned before. They throw a monkey wrench in there. They're always trying to sew up discord. And then what happens when the discord is sewn up? They sit back and laugh. And that's why I really didn't address certain aspects of that BS letter by this R.D. Bradshaw, because I know exactly where it's designed to go into. And I'm not going to give a liar credibility. I know exactly what words he wants me to say. So he can sit there and say, well, Pastor Visser told me this. I've never said any of those things. So I'd love for Darren Howard, however, to go ahead. He's free to call into the show, and in fact, Jonathan Williams are free to call into the show at any time. Point in case, you won't hear from him. And me and, me and Brother Howard, I might add, for anybody who does read that cute little article that was dreamed up by Martin Lindsay, reconciled long after the fact. We had a spat like you and Matthew ought, and we also reconciled and came to peace and went our own ways. That's how I know the guy didn't say anything about me. Not in five years. Well, if one brother, if, if two brothers have a misunderstanding, they're both being led of the Spirit, not necessarily led of the Spirit to have a, a misunderstanding, but if they're both being led of the, of the Spirit, then sooner or later they're, they're going to, you know, they're, they're going to, you know, become friends. You know, they're going to, you know, realize that, you know, that it was a misunderstanding and that was it and let bygones be bygones. I mean, the Bible, you know, what you said was um, just so uh, pro profound just then, just the, the various things that you had to discuss. And... and, and you know, the Bible says, you know, what you do unto the least of these, you do unto me. And, and, and I, I think when Christ made that statement, he, he wasn't doing it from his perspective that, you know, there were some people in, in, in Christianity that were, were least to him, but he, he was looking at it from our perspective because, we, you know, we, we, we have our favourites, even in Christian identity, people we like, people perhaps we don't like so much, and, you know, people maybe we think highly of and people maybe we don't think so highly of. But if we... Whoever the least person is in Christian identity, you know, in, in, in our, our personal judgment, it, you know, whatever we do to that person to be like we're doing it to Christ. If Christ was standing before us in the flesh, you know, so are you, if Christ was standing before you in the flesh, are you going to swear at him? Are you going to call him names? Are you going to call him a Jew? Are you going to, you know, want to throw a punch at him? Are you going to slander him? You wouldn't do any of those things. So what Christ was trying to impress upon us was the fact that, you know, beware of how you behave around others. You know, be you know, he, he's watching us. If we don't exercise that love, if we don't exercise that forgiveness, that compa compassion, that tender heartedness, tender heartedness, that the scripture tells us to do, then you know, we're we're not going to make it. Yeah, that's really true, and and and, and it's historical as well, scripturally, because you notice every time Israel you know, went and worshipped the golden calf, got impatient, or turned their eyes away from following the Holy Spirit, which was Yahweh, 
they always slipped into apostasy. And it was no different in the times of Christ, you know. There were a lot of those out there who knew who he was. They knew his teachings. Because they were familiar enough with the Old Testament. And then there were all those other people who sat there, and he was the offense. He was exactly what they feared because he represented truth and that's what i believe that's why i believe in what we're doing as long as we tell the truth which we know is scriptural you know the bible's truth the word of god is truth not what any man says then it's going to expose these things and if we walk in light then those cockroaches are going to scurry and therefore that's why they have to drop to these levels of slander and and, and degrading and i'll tell you this I don't feel one bit of sorrow for these people because anyone who would go and listen to someone like Rabbi Samuelson and not take it with two witnesses is just as bad as, of an imposter and a tear as Rabbi Samuelson is. So frankly, I don't care. You know, at one time I extended an email to Logan and actually tried to get him in, you know, get him away from that. But he would rather sit there and listen to Marty Lindsay with no proof whatsoever. Well, he pretty much sawed the limb out from under him. Who I. Who listens to Logan now? Nobody. And who made an ass of Logan? Logan did. Not me, not anybody else. He went on NewsGuy and started talking a bunch of lunacy. And so in that way, I believe it, it's beautiful because God really does make them put their own foot in their own mouth, mouth, and it's always through works and it's always through acts. Man can tell you with his mouth time and time again, I'm Christian, I'm Christian identity, I'm even Aryan nations. But the only way you'll really know who is a true son of God, as you pointed out from uh, Romans, Romans 8, is that if they abide in the Spirit. Bottom line. Yes, well, as you said, it all comes down to being led by the Spirit, doesn't it? Because, I mean, you know, Logan, you know, if he had any sense at all, would realize that Lindstedt doesn't preach uh, Yahweh's word. And it's clear just from listening to Paul Logan, that if he's if indeed he's filled with the Spirit, he's not being led of it. Because I mean, you know, reincarnation. I mean, give me a break. The Bible says it is appointed unto man once to die. I mean, where in the Bible does it talk about, you know, reincarnation? I mean, people seem. I mean, they 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 look at that scripture that says, you know, God knew us before the beginning of the world, and they take that to mean that we existed before the beginning of the world but the scripture says that Yahweh knows the end from the beginning God knew us before the beginning of the world because he can see right into the future you know where he can see right past all the great tribulation everything right through to the happy ending so that's what it's really talking about Yahweh you know isn't subjected to, to time as we are you know he can see the end from the beginning so I, I don't believe in predestination I know that some Christians believe in that, Christian identists believe in that, and I'm not going to argue the toss with them. You know, I'm not going to, you know, get do a Northern Ireland, erect barriers between them and me, you know. But, um, you know, it, it is, and I know we're, we're belabouring the point here, folks, about being led of the Spirit, but if we're not, we're not we're children of Yahweh, and we're not going to be accepted into the kingdom if we're not led of the Spirit. So the Bible says, for as many as are led by the Spirit are the sons of God. It doesn't say for as many as, you know, born Israelites, you know, have got, for as many have beautiful blonde hair and blue eye, you know, are, are sons of God. The Bible says for as many as are led by the Spirit. You have to have the race, absolutely, not taking anything away from that. But if you're not led of the Spirit, if you're not following the Spirit's prompting, you're a goner. Indeed. Indeed. And that's the, that is the importance of it because Spirit... So important, you know, because there are other spirits, and you, <laughs> just like John says, that we are to try the spirits to know which spirits are of God. And perhaps we'll cover that in a, in a future sermon because, 
you know, we spend a lot of time emphasizing the importance of the Holy Spirit, but what can be said about those under the spirit of the world or the spirit of error, the spirit of Antichrist, and so forth, you know, these are legit spirits as well and just as real. That's something I think a lot of people forget is that just as much as you and I believe in Yahweh and believe in his word, so does the enemy believe in their tribe. And therefore, that's where we're supposed to reason together. With all these things going on in the world right now, with all the atrocities against our race, and with the Jew boasting in their media daily, only a false prophet would be out there trying to worry about somebody else. In fact, I'll, I'm probably going to bring a study on this in the future, too. I told my wife about it. When we start worrying and start worrying about somebody else, instead of working out our own salvation and trembling, when we start judging everybody else, Scripturally, that is a sign that we're demoralized and off path and not going to make it into the kingdom. So that'll be an interesting study as well. That's the reason why Christ says so many times, judge not, don't, because the Pharisees did and they were already outside the kingdom. There's a reason for that. And so I do think it's, there's a difference between discernment and knowing who's good and evil, and there's an entirely different thing coming out and saying, I judge this person's race, eye color, and or final destination. Those are the domain of Yahweh God and Yahweh God alone. Yes, well, you, you know, as I said, um, uh, even though Saul was, had set out to murder David, David knew that um, judgment wasn't his responsibility, it was Yahweh's. Yahweh would, if Yahweh was going to, um, you know, see, see Saul dead, then um, Yahweh would do it. Yahweh would o- organise that, that to happen. But it wasn't, it wasn't um, David's job to, you know, go around... You know, criticizing Saul. I'm, I'm sure he, you know, he said some things about him, like he shouldn't shouldn't be, you know, trying to murder me. But he, he, he you know, he had no intention of um, put, putting laying even a hand on the guy. So it's so important that you know we don't we leave the judgment to Yahweh. He's the only one who can execute it. After all. Yeah, indeed. Judgment is Yahweh God's, and and it should be, you know, the desire of every Aryan man, woman, and child to not to want to see harm befall our race. You know, it says the angels in heaven rejoice over every every child that repents, and if it would be Yahweh's will, he'd have everyone repent. That's the morality of God, the morality of the Holy Spirit that we're discussing today. If Yahweh had his will, it would be that every single white Anglo-Saxon person turns to him and follows him. But because it doesn't happen, it's hurtful to them. And therefore, when these people are out there attacking white men, claiming to be white men, it just shows you they have no respect nor regard for Yahweh or his created creation. And not only that, but if you're attacking other white men, you know, other white uh, you know, Israelite men and women, you're essentially attacking Yahweh. Because the scripture says, how can we say that we love Yahweh when we curse man that is made after his likeness? You know, so by... You know, by cursing, you know, our, our fellow man, our fellow Israelite, we're, we're essentially cursing Yahweh. I mean, those two great commandments, you know, to love Yahweh and to, to love your neighbor as yourself are joined at the hip. You can't do with one without the other. That's why the Bible says, you know, as I said, you know, how can we say that we love Yahweh if we curse man that's made after his likeness? You know, cursing... If your ministry, if your way of doing things is entirely built around cursing, you know, fellow Israelites... you. you what what you're doing, you know, technically speaking, is cursing Yahweh, and you, and the penalty for that is death in the scripture. Yeah, that's true. 
bearing false witness, and that's the thing. Do we believe that Yahweh God's true? I mean, do we believe that his judgments are true? And if we believe that, then we must follow suit to obey, because that's what the detractor does not believe. They don't care. They really don't care that they'll be judged as transsexuals, so therefore they go out and they judge everyone else as a transsexual. That's what I truly believe, because if they feel like you had said, if the law was really written on their heart, as it is every man, woman, and child of Israel, they couldn't do those things. And that's where the whole the line comes in with the whole Israel, all Israel being saved and the wheat and the tares, is you can sit there and be a wheat person your whole life and still be judged as a tare. So, you know, it really comes down to works, not what we say, and Christ well, taught no different. The, the Bible says, Christ said, bring all those people to me who won't worship me and slay them before me. Now, we, you and I both know, Jeremy, that the only people who are entitled to worship Yahweh are white people, white Israelites. So this, this thing about people not worshipping worshiping Christ... It, it, is in reference to white people that refuse to worship him. Because, you know, even when Christ returns, there are going to be people who refuse to worship him. And what's going to happen to them? They're going to be slain. So, you know, this whole idea that all of Israel will be saved is silly, you know, because we're born of, the, born of the flesh. I know people in Christian identity believe that and preach that. And, they, you know, they can, you know, I'm not going to, you know, hate them because they do. But I think when, when the Bible says all Israel should be saved, it's not just talking about all Israel of the flesh, but also all Israel of the spirit as well. You know, people who are Israelites of the flesh, but who are also, you know, being led with the spirit. That's what it means by Israel in that sense, I believe. Yeah, indeed. And that was the thing about Jacob, is they contended for, or Jacob himself wrestled the angel. He contended for the birthright. Esau didn't care, he despised it. And so, you know, on the same token, that's not to say Jacob's one of these guys saying, oh, I'm Israelite, that's good enough. That's the same complacency as the one saved, always saved, the open your heart to Jesus belief. And it does exist within Christian identity because just being white Israelite's not enough. You must have works. In fact, all our righteous works, all our robes in judgment, all of these things, treasures in heaven that are stored up, all stem back to one thing and one thing alone, and it's man's righteous or unrighteous works on heaven or on earth. It always stems back to works. Nothing we can say can can save us, you know. Well, the Bible says without faith, uh, faith without works is dead. And the Bible says, you know, um, as I mentioned earlier in the show, that you know, without faith, it is impossible to please Yahweh. So if you don't have the, have the works, it is impossible to please Yahweh with them. You know, the Bible does say we're saved by grace through faith, and that not of not of ourselves. It is a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. It says that in I think Ephesians two verses eight and nine. But but we must understand that that doesn't mean that we just sit on our dust and do nothing, because as the Bible says, to whom much is given, much is expected. You know, the Bible talks about how the righteous are scarcely saved, it says. You know, in other words, we just sort of slip through on the skin of our teeth. So it's not something, you know, we can sort of, you know, muck around with, that we can, we, we can you, know, um, you know, after putting our hands to the plough, can, you know, stop and turn around and look back whence we come. You know, it's something that we must continue in and we must continue in diligently, doing as much as we possibly can to serve Yahweh. Indeed. Indeed, that's the important thing. And I've mentioned that before as well. As far as the spirit, you know, the spirit of a true child of God would be like that, especially as they get older. It's like time is limited. I have, you know, I need to do all 
I can. That's why when the when everyone was throwing money in the Temple of Jerusalem in the coffer, you know, Christ had more respect for the widow who threw in the two mites, and that was because she was giving all she has. A lot of these people, they come along and they're just like, oh, I'm going to give, and then there's these that don't give anything at all, and that's exactly what I'm talking about now. They don't give anything but problems, and even though they do have problems, even though people like Rabbi Samuelson go out there and slander and do all these things, just like Satan Yahweh is able to take Satan and turn his actions, his fall, and turn it to good. That's the thing. And I think it's Romans 8.28 that says that. That all things work together for good to them who are the called and the chosen according to God. It simply doesn't happen to the unbeliever. But for us who are sealed, it doesn't matter. As much as this rabbi goes out and lies against me, my numbers grow. And partially because of them. I think it's beautiful. And a lot of people wonder, why does God let Satan exist? For that very purpose. Satan must exist, so you'll choose. Who are you going to serve? God doesn't want anybody who's not going to serve him, no more than I would want somebody in my church who's not going to sit there and be respectful, you know? Well, well God, God wants people who genuinely love him and want to be with him, not people who are... Who, he doesn't want people who are automatons, who are there only because he's pre-programmed them to, to, to follow him. I mean, that's the whole, what the whole story of Job is about. Job had a choice, so, you know... Um, Yahweh let Satan put all these, you know, terrible things upon Job, you know, strip Job of his family, his livelihood, his his health. But but Job still still after all that chose to to serve Yahweh. Because even though we look at that story and we 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 think, "Oh, gee, all those terrible things that happened to Job." You know, Job's going to live forever, folks. You know, his his salvation is assured. You know, he's going to live forever with Yahweh and spend the most wonderful existence, you know, that a mind-boggling existence that you know you could possibly have, and he's going to do it for eternity. So even though think you know things can seem really terrible in our life, and let's face it, none of us are ever really going to have to go through what uh, Job went through. I mean, the end is a very, very happy end for for us. This is just like a school exam that we're going through at the moment. I mean, the other week I I related the um, the, the the analogy of um, you know the prince and the pauper. We're, we're having to. You know, we're princes, we're having to live for paupers, but it's just a temporary arrangement. And Jeremy was just talking then about how important it is for us to give us all to, to Yahweh. You know, and of course that all depends on our personal circumstance. I mean, if you're somebody old, maybe frail, you know, it's going to be difficult for you to go out into the highways and byways and compel people to come in. You know, you're not going to be able to do a, a CI podcast, not that that's necessarily that important, but you know... You're not going to be able to start up a website or anything like that. But the one thing you can do, and it's the best thing of all, you can pray for, you can pray that you know Yahweh's will be done. You can pray for unity within Christian identity. You can pray that we're more loving toward one another. You can pray pray that we're more faithful to Yahweh and that we're all accounted worthy on that day. I mean, never underestimate the importance and power of prayer. The Bible says the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man and a righteous woman, you know, availeth much. So, you know, ne never think that just because of your rage and your personal situation that you can't contribute to this movement because you can. You can contribute perhaps more than anyone else. Yeah, that's true. In fact, that was one of the things Pete Peter's always prayed for. And, and I myself, in a lot of ways, is I would much rather, in fact, it's the only way you can support this ministry now, I would much rather solicit someone's prayers. Because it does much more. Money, all these other things, it's temporal, it's seasonal, it comes, it goes, and it's gone. 
But the prayer of a righteous man does avail much. And part of the whole thing that Marty Lindsay loves slandering and twisting around that happened because he brought against me was because of that. If you remember, I appealed for prayers. I believe you even sat there and, and, and promoted it as well. And so the day I did go to court, I didn't have to speak to a judge. The whole thing was dismissed. And if that's not the leading of the Holy Spirit, I don't know what is, because they would have wanted to bury me, undoubtedly. Yeah, well, Yahweh will always sort your situation out. And it's quite insulting of us, really, that we doubt him so often. And we all do it. You know, we all, you know, none of us lead a, lead a perfect Christian life in faith or, or, or in otherwise. You know, we're all growing, we're all learning, we're all making mistakes. And Yahweh allows us to, to, to go through them, you know, to, to, so we get better. So we're, we're constantly refined in that fire. And, and it's so important that well, that scripture you said in Romans 8, such a wonderful scripture, and I, I, I reckon I quote that pretty much every day to myself. You know, all things work together for good. You know, sometimes when the things are working, they don't look like they're working together for good, but they ultimately always do. And, and the ultimate goal of all this, you know, working together is that, you, you know, Yahweh wants you to be with him for eternity and live the most wonderful life. I mean, you know, the, the reason for, for all this is because Yahweh wants to bless us. It's not meant to be a curse. It's not meant to be a... A burden. It's not meant to be some terrible thing that we just endure and nothing ever, no good ever comes of it. You know, we're we're expecting a big payday at the end of this, folks. And you know, we must, you know, press on to the mark of the high calling and not let anything, you know, get us down. If we, you know, don't get into arguments with folks, you know, um, you know the. And again, we must be led of the Spirit. Christ said that it was important for Him to go, that the Spirit would come. Now, now that just goes to show how important the Spirit was that, you know, Christ had to leave so that the Spirit could come. I mean, you know, even Christ knew, well, I say even Christ, of course, Christ knew that, um, you know, just how important the Spirit is and to be led by the Spirit. It was so important to Christ, in fact, and Christ was Yahweh, God in the flesh, it was so important to him that he had to go so he could come. He had to get out the way for a while. So that's how important it is to Yahweh and, and, and to us, of course, to be led by the Spirit. And that's something... Jeremy and I are going to keep bringing up time and time again because I, I feel that, you know, that there, is, there has been that imbalance in the past in Christian identity between, you know, preaching things to do with race and what have you, and, and that's vitally important, not taking anything away from that, but, but we haven't been preaching the spiritual side of things nearly enough. Yeah, indeed. In fact, I believe it usually goes back right to the flesh with a lot of them. And they are so stuck there that I think a lot of them study themselves retarded. It's like being Israel is really only one point. In fact, you know, it's not even the greatest point. Yes, it's greatest in the fact that we are the flesh of God. We're created of God and have a spirit. But at the same time, we also partake of all his plagues as well because the law was only given to Israel. And that's what we're dealing with now. Right here in America, it's seemingly the white man that's having to feel the heat of it. The, for the Negro, the mud, the Mexicans, it's paradise, man, because it's an open handout. It's open season on whites, or it's a, it's a free meal ticket or welfare check. But us, we're the ones having to pay for it. So that's why it is important to get ourselves right with God, first and foremost, get our lives right. You know, So man cannot speak. Just like Scripture says, a bishop must be blameless, the husband of one wife not having children according to ruly and unriot. You see these people out there that were charged by their own child with statutory sodomy? By default, out the gate. They won't make it in. Bottom line. That's a key so man will know. Not for God. God knows whose are his and not. But these keys that he gives us, which are usually lawlessness, and through his scripture, are so you'll be able to point out who's who and who is Jew. Yes, it's very true. I mean, 
<laughs> I have to laugh laugh at it. I mean, could you could you imagine basing your ministry on gossip, slander, and just criticism? I mean, criticism of others. I mean, that's all it is. I mean, and, and yet the repeat the the thing that just boggles my mind. I know Yahweh's given them over to Elijah. I mean, because the scripture is very clear on that. So you know, they're they're as deluded in their own way as as Marty is. But the fact that people could still buy into his nonsense, could still think he was a a, a guy who was serving Yahweh, is just beyond my comprehension but you know i i believe i'm being led of the spirit you know yahweh's guiding me into all truth as i'm sure he is in your your case and your family so for us we we sort of stand back and we all we can do is just laugh at it and just scratch our heads thinking you know how can those people do that but yahweh's given them over to a lie so tough luck folks yeah and that's the way it should be and i say and that's the other thing is we could sit here and say, oh, it was Yahweh God. It really isn't. When you read the context of Romans, right there, it straightforwardly says, seeing as they did not like to retain God in, in their knowledge, God gives them over to a reprobate mind. Everything we do is choice. And while people want to sit and say predestination, that's only a very, very small part of it. But it really is free choice. So if we don't want to follow Yahweh's law, if we want to sit here and go out there and engage in slander and gossip and all these things that are straightforwardly forbidden in his law to do, then we shouldn't be shocked when these people end up in jail and these people live these desolate lives. That is Yahweh God. God is in control. And he can bless, like it says in Scripture, he can send the, the rain and the latter rain. Therefore, if somebody's out here whose life is cursed and they're being falsely accused and ending up in jail, guess what? That's not any other reason but Yahweh wanting that for that person because he's cursed. So let's not get, you know, a lot of people get so off base that they can't even see what's before their own eyes. You know, Jeremy, on, on a side note, I have to say it's great hearing the sound of white children in the background there. I um, live next door to this young couple who have a young young white couple of a young family and um, I was out doing some garden, gardening one day and they had a kids party there and I could hear all the kids, you know, kids carry on at parties squealing and just singing and just having the time of their lives and I thought to myself, isn't that a beautiful sound? Yeah, it really is, especially these young melons. And yeah, that's the beauty of it, which is I don't really believe in a lot of ways that man can really understand a lot of the mentality behind Yahweh God until they have children. And that's why I think it is one of those provisions for pastors to have children ruling their own house in subjection so they can rule the house of God. It's because when you have children, you realize why God then doesn't kill Satan, his child, or why he's, you know, the mentality behind it. We can sit here and read the Bible time and time again and say, oh, Yahweh God sent his only begotten son. But you really cannot understand the sacrifice that was made on behalf of Yahweh but in sending Jesus Christ until you have children of your own, you know. So it is beautiful. Well, I'm, I'm sad to say I've never had children of my own, but um, I've had to look after my um, sister's children, my, my brother's children from time to time when they were much younger. And the beautiful thing about about being in the, the presence of children is that you start to see the world through their eyes. I mean, everything's just a, a thing of joy and wonder. And, and, and I mean, you know, I, I go down the street, of course, you know, doing shopping, and you see, you know, the mums there with their, their little daughters and their little sons. And you never see a, a you never see that one of these kids just walk regularly. They'll skip, they'll dance. You know, they they're just full of the the joy of the joy of the joy of life and you know we really need to be like that in in Christ don't we just full of the joy of the lord and just you know everything's just a thing of wonder and great beauty and just you know putting our trust in Yahweh, Yahweh with the, the simplicity of a child 
Yeah, exactly. That's the reason why he says unless we become as little children. You know, man gets so lifted up. And if you think about it, all a father really wants their child to do is obey. And that's really all Yahweh God ever required of Israel. And man wants to come along and say, well, I don't understand. Therefore, that's where the mistake is made. And time and time again, we see that. I think that's why Judeo-Christianity doesn't follow the law, because they don't understand the law. They'll justify it away and say, oh, God said you can't eat pork because we hadn't invented a refrigerator then. It never dawns on them that God says not to eat particular foods or engage in particular sins because God created us, knows what's best for us, and like any father is giving you instruction. Even more so, many of us, our earthly fathers, are gone to the grave. They're dead and cold and in the ground, leaving nothing behind. At least Yahweh God gave his people an instruction manual. And the reason he did that, I believe, is so that man is without excuse. Not a single one of us is going to be able to stand in front of God saying, I don't know, when Jesus Christ said, I have foretold you all things. Amen to that. Um, Jeremy, I'll have to get go shortly, but before I do, I just want to just uh, impress upon people that if, we, if Jeremy and I say we're going to study a particular sort of thing like uh, 1 Corinthians 12, the, the spiritual gifts, and we go off on all sorts of tangents during our show, we're just going to go by, as Jeremy said earlier in the show, by the leading of the Spirit. We'll get back to what we are, get back on track with what we were discussing sooner or later in, a, in another podcast. And something that I'm sure you won't mind me saying this, Jeremy, is something we hope to do in a future podcast is start having um, various Christian identity pastors on, you know, get to hear their stories, their, their views on things, and just sort of, you know, create a bit of unity perhaps in, in that way, and hopefully get some Christian identity pastors on that maybe we... You know, we haven't heard in some time, or maybe we've never even heard, you know, heard. Maybe some Christian identity pastors who don't even have a podcast, but um, that's something that we hope and pray, you know, will eventuate in the future down the track with our podcast. Oh, indeed. And we've just begun actually touching the tip of that as well, sending out emails and and starting a promotion campaign on all this. We've been kind of behind the times on that. But I believe we can get them in there. And that's the whole point. And as long as you and I and these other preachers, pretty much every other Christian identity preacher, can show that we get along, it will expose these false prophets, you know, time and time again. But, I mean, it really doesn't... A lot of it does require us, and to correct a lot of the scripture, but like I said, most of these guys, they're not spiritually discerning anyway, or else they wouldn't be sitting over there slandering and gossiping. As much as they want to sit there and think it's all fun and games and point the finger at Rabbi Samuelson, doesn't make a difference. They'll be outside the gate in judgment as well, because they love the lie that was made. So, Jeremy, I, I'm on uh, Pastor Bob of Nevada's um, uh emailing list and uh, hardly a day would go by months ago where, where I wouldn't get um, you know, uh, you know, some commentary from Bob. It was always very entertaining and informative but I, I haven't received an email from him from ages and I know Pastor um, James Wickstrom who, who used to do a show with Bob, Yahweh's Truth, which is one of my all-time favourite Christian identity shows. Um, he hasn't uh, done a show in a while and uh, I know that um, um, there, he's still making some posts on his, um, his blog um, but um, I think it's actually somebody else posting on his behalf. But have you heard anything about those guys? How's their physical health going? I mean, are they still, you know, what's the deal with them? Yeah, I really haven't heard much from Wickstrom outside of the email that he forwarded to me uh, that Logan sent him and his response more or less saying that Martin Lindsay's a confirmed Fed, which we all knew anyway. He's not really a Fed. But I did notice that his last radio show was February of this year, I believe. It's been a, like eight yeah. months. And it is sad because they were going so much 
And I also wonder what happened to Pastor Bob in Nevada. You know, I was thinking about that the other day because Wickstrom does still pop up and he'll email me or Faber. And as much as Marty likes saying that we're enemies, we all get along in CI. But uh, Pastor Bob, that's a good question. I have no idea. In fact, I'm going to start trying to dig up some information and see what happened to him. Actually, you know what I might do? I might contact Bob and ask him if he'd like to come on the show. That's That'd be a good idea. That'd be a oh, really I'd good idea, to. yeah. I mean, the, I remember the Halcyon days of the Hal Turner Network, where, the, where they used to have Yahweh's Truth on that. I used to love that show so much. I used to look forward to listening to that so so much, you know, throughout the week. You know, James and uh, Bob, you know, being too soft on the Jews, and, you know, <laughs> um, praise Yahweh and keep your powder dry. It was such a a great show. I mean, they touched on scripture, of course, you know, which was really good. They got into the, the, the meat of that. and uh, But it was also funny and entertaining as well. It was my first real hard exposure to, to hardcore Christ, dual seedline Christian identity through that show. So I, I owe both of them, really, uh, you know, a debt I, I cannot cannot repay. And I know all sorts of things are being said about Wickstrom and, you know, what. I'm not here to say that they're true or they're not true, but I know that, you know, as far as my own personal situation is concerned, I really owe both of those guys a great debt. Yeah, indeed. And I would even, I, I'll go on record and say none of that crap about Wickstrom's true, period, bottom line. It's brought about by the same exact envious people who have no fruits of their own. And if you notice, it always has a common theme within their literature. They always love bringing up this thing that Wickstrom supposedly ran off with so-and-so. Total fiction, total BS. And that's exactly the whole point. That's why it requires spiritual discernment. Because it takes one of these false prophet bastards, that one little nugget of truth, and then they'll twist it around and they'll do all of these things. Why? Scripture says because they don't know the Spirit. Because they can't know the Spirit, and their job is to keep people out of the kingdom. That's the reason why. We should be working out our own salvation with fear and trembling, like I told R.D. Bradshaw, instead of sitting there trying to worry about what Wickstrom's doing or any of these other people. Point in case, Bible says the borrower servant to the lender. For all intents and purposes, when you give your testicles over to somebody like Martin Lindsay does, they own them. And that's the saddest part of all, is we could sit there and go, whoa, Wickstrom, and write long articles. In fact, there's ministries out there that are completely devoted to attacking Wickstrom and Wyland and Pete Peters and myself. And the irony is, is it's because they've already lost. Yeah, I mean, you know, um, I, I mean, I, I have my differences with various CI pastors, you know, what they preach and what have you, but um, I, I'm not going to get into a, you know, a, a, a drag out fight, a knockdown drag out fight with them. You know, it, it's just pointless. It just accomplishes nothing. I mean, you know, w when we get reach that point where there's no more um, internet, where you know, or communications of electronic communications, mobile phones or cell phones as you call them in the United States have broken down, where there's nothing left left for us but um, you know, just our own communication with our you know our neighbours and our uh, you know, and of course Yahweh above and beyond everything else. I don't want to get into that situation, you know, having regretted my time in Christian, Christian identity, having sort of, you know, being in a situation where I hate, every, hate most people in Christian identity, where I wish them ill, you know, where, where I, you know, I, I'm glad in a way that, you know, I, I'm no longer sort of having to sort of deal with all of the, um, you know, the, the various rumours and what have you in Christian identity. I, you know, I, I want to go into that situation, you know, um, loving my, you know, brothers and sisters in Christ and in Christian, in Christian identity, and, you know, I'm um, just praying for them, you know, even if I, I, I don't 
get, go into that situation not necessarily going along with everything they say or everything they've done. Yeah, that's true. We can learn a little from everybody, including the devil in a lot of ways, and that's the whole thing. I learned along the way, and that's the beauty of it. While the detractor sits there saying, I hope Pastor Visser loses his church, it'll never happen. I learned from Aryan nations never to have a board of directors. That's just one small example of why it is. You know, that we can learn from the false prophet out there if you're smart enough and in tune enough with the Holy Spirit to, to be able to listen, you know. Well, as I said, you know, I, I have to go in a sec. I, um, you know, I, I'm not interested in in being a pastor. Not that there's anything wrong with being a pastor. You know, it's a it's a good calling to to have. I'm not interested necessarily being a theologian because that's not something I could really do short of Yahweh working a miracle and giving me the nous to be able to do something like that. I'm just happy doing with whatever Yahweh wants me to do. I don't want to be a leader. I don't want to be a big shot in Christian identity. You know, I I shouldn't really use this quote, but um because it's from a pretty godless guy. It was from Oral Roberts. But there's one, one good thing Oral Roberts said. If, he, if, he, if anything that ever came out of his mouth was good, it was this. He says, whatever you compromise to keep in this life, you're going to lose in the next. So if you compromise, you know, so if you seek your own glory, your own, you know, um, uh, your, your own enrichment in this life, if you're looking to be a big shot in this life, you're not going to be one in the next. So I don't care if I, I'm, you know, regarded as the least person in Christian identity with the least, with the most unimportant job to do. As long as I'm doing the job that Yahweh's given me to do, as long as I'm, you know, walking in the Spirit and I'm obeying, <coughs> pardon me, I'm obeying Him in that respect, then um, everything else really doesn't matter to me. Just as long as I'm doing what He He wants, you know, whatever it is, I'm happy with that. Yeah, exactly. And that's exactly what I've preached in the past as well. A lot of people aren't content with their lot. And Yahweh God really does call for you to be content. Where thou beest, beest thou content. In essence, no matter where you are, you know, I think one of the quickest ways Israel falls into decline is through covetousness. And that's what happens. The media portrays all this stuff up there. And through covetousness, suddenly people's wives are cheating on them. Through covetousness, suddenly, you know, a man's neglecting his family to try and buy a really good car. So we can never neglect that aspect that we should be content. Even if you are sitting in Granby in a woman who takes a disability check shack with grass four feet tall, being sued by the city, you should at least still be contented in that, you know, if you're a true child of God. Yes, well, I think Marty is content with sin, so. Anyway, Jeremy, I'll have to get going, brother. It's been a great um, podcast today. It's, uh, it's our longest podcast ever, except for the one with Marty. It's uh, two hours plus, so uh, hopefully people will be able to get a bit of spiritual meat out of this one. But um, I'll, I'll get on to Pastor Bob and see if we can get him on the show, and you can con contact those other... CI pastors, and uh, maybe we can interview someone who hasn't been heard from for a while in the future. But yeah. anyway, I'll have to get I'll have to get going, brother. So um, Yahweh bless you and yours, and Yahweh bless the listeners. Thank you, oh brother Obadiah, and I'll be looking forward to next week's show. Amen. Bye bye. Thank you. And with that, dear kinsfolk, that was another successful call. Uh, dear kinsfolk, I invite you to swing by the website, which is covenantpeoplesministry.org. Or you can swing by Obadiah 118's website, which is thechristianidentityforum.net. Just a reminder, we do broadcast every Wednesday at 7 Eastern Standard Time. We've just begun a promotion uh, campaign on this and through releasing videos to YouTube and so forth. 
And so our numbers will grow as time goes. And naturally, Covenant People's Ministry, for the most part, 80% of our downloads come from the website. We have never used TalkShoe until recently. And it has been good outside of the aspect that they lost our first flagship broadcast. But we did get half of that back, and that's the way Yahweh God works. So, dear kinfolk, until next time, please stay within his word. Every day within it is a good day. And the detractor will exist for that same exact purpose, to go out there and to speak evil of the truth. Just like Scripture says, and the false prophet wants to take it and attribute it to Negroes, the false prophet love through merchandise, to make merchandise of you, and through fiend words, they will they will do everything they can do to mislead your entire house. The reason for that is they have eyes full of adultery. They cannot cease from sinning. The reason they, cease, they cannot cease from sinning is because they do not know Yahweh's law. These are those goats that will be on the left hand of Jesus Christ, to whom he says, Depart from me, you who practiced iniquity. I never knew you. So it is up to us as Christian identists to be able to discern who's who and who is Jew. And especially within Christian identity, there are more self-proclaimed pastors out there who violate the law on so many levels, whether it be the eating of unclean foods, whether it's God's law on slander and gossip and judging our brother. It is up to us to be able to know. And so, until next week, actually until next Sunday, when a new pulpit sermon comes from Covenant People's Ministry, this is Pastor Visser once again wishing you and yours great studies, war for Christ. Amen.